BFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the bald faced truth. Thursday night football was a stinker, was it not? Colts, Broncos, a lot of questions raised in the course of that game. And a lot of people talking about that game for a variety of reasons today across the country. We'll talk about Jordan Poole and Draymond Green. We'll talk about the Pac-12 games coming up this weekend. But I want to start, we'll also talk some baseball, but I want to start with Russell Wilson. Thursday night football, fourth and one at the five-yard line in overtime. Surveys, good protection, slides, fires, broken up in the end zone. Gilmore on Sutton. So the defensive player of the year a couple of years back, and somehow, someway, the Indianapolis Colts, who took their first lead of the game on that field goal, pull out a 12-9 victory. There it is, 12-9 victory. A lot of blame going around for Russell Wilson, who had an open receiver on the play. Kyle Brandt talking today about uh, the play of Russell Wilson. I think Russell Wilson is one of the least authentic personalities we have in this league. I think Russell Wilson is a poser. And that doesn't mean he's a bad person. I actually think he's a good person. I think he tries to be something that he's not. And when you make the $245 million, you either got to be a really great guy with the locker room who loves you, or you got to be an amazing player. Brady, who makes half of what Russell's making, is both. Rodgers, MVP. Patrick Mahomes, both. Allen, people love him. He's amazing. Kyler, we'll find out. Russell Wilson, first of all, the NFL, the Broncos fan base has no history with him. They have no allegiance to him. This is not a Seahawks thing that they drafted him. They grew up with him. He's their guy. None of that. You know, I, got, I work the, the NFL honors. I work the red carpet. Kelsey comes by. Rodgers comes by. Russell Wilson shows up with his sunglasses and his wife, and they, I think they think they're, they're Jay-Z and Beyonce, and they will literally put their hand up and say, no, we're not talking. Why? It, it, because you think you're that cool, and you're that famous, and you're that amazing, and everything is so perfect. That does not work in a locker room unless you are really good or really, really good guy. It just doesn't work. There it is. Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos lose. Another fourth down choice last night. They got into the red zone four times. They scored no touchdowns. Instead of kicking the field goal that they attempted in week one, Broncos coach Nathaniel Hackett, he went for it. The decision blew up in his face. Incomplete pass. Um, you know, Richard Sherman went, uh, went uh, nuts on the postgame talking about, hey, what are they doing? Uh, you know, he remembered 2015 and Marshawn Lynch at the one-yard line. I want to talk a little bit about how bad Thursday night football was. It, was it that bad? And if so, why is Thursday night football stinking? Is it the teams? Is it the rhythm of the season? Is it the fact that they're playing a game on a Thursday and they should be playing a game on a, on a Sunday or a Monday? You tell me at 503-417-7575. And what's going on with Russell Wilson? Is he endangering his Hall of Fame case uh, with the play that he's had on the field for the Broncos? Or... Or are those things mutually exclusive? Will people just say, look, he went to Denver, didn't work out, whatnot, if it continues this way. But uh, Russell Wilson, as one of the least authentic guys in the league, according to Kyle Brandt, this is a guy who has 38,000 yards passing, almost 300 touchdown passes, a career passer rating of 101. 
And he this season has really struggled to get it done on the field. He's only had one game that he has had above a 75 uh, passer rating. He, he just seemingly at the age of 33 has become a quarterback that is not capable of doing the things he did in Seattle. What is that about? Is it the system in Seattle? Is it the Denver system? Is it Russell aging? And man, do, does Pete Carroll and the Seahawks look smart today for trading away Russell Wilson and getting a whole bunch of draft picks. 503-417-7575, you tell me. Meanwhile, Rich Eisen talking about how bad Thursday night football was. Listen to this. Last night's Thursday night football, week five kickoff. Seven field goals, 12 punts, 25 third down stops. Defenses got off the field on Thursday night 25 times. Four interceptions, six fumbles, wait for it. Not a single recovery. By a defense. <laughs> wow. They were all recovered by the fumbling team. And this is a defense. Again, oh. defenses got off the field 25 times on third down last night and sacked quarterbacks 10 times, but zero recoveries of fumbles despite six of them being put on the ground. Yeah. And wait a minute. This is the best one. I love this one. Russell Wilson, last night, we all know, rough night for Russ. 51-yard pass to Cortland Sutton. That was awesome. It was. It was a double catch by his team. <laughs> it was. Cortland Sutton <laughs> ripped it out of the hands of Montreal Washington. And the reason why there were two Broncos around the ball is because the ref took out one of the Colts defenders. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. That was when the Benny Hill theme really needed to be played. There it is. What is going on with Thursday night football? Steven, what are you seeing on Thursday night football? And Russell Wilson, is he endangering his his place in Canton, Ohio? I don't know what it is about Thursday night football, but it seems like it's always kind of like this. It's always just a little too quick of a turnaround from Sunday to Thursday for these guys because they go through so much when they battle each other on Sunday. Like To come back on Thursday seems like it's so tough. But I understand what the NFL is doing. Like, they make so much money doing this, and we all want NFL football all the time. So it's like it's one of those catch-22s where, you know, if you don't do it, you're losing out a lot of money, but you're, the product's going to be better. But if we do it on Thursday, we're going to make more money, but the product's going to be worse because people are still going to watch. That's the thing. Like, we're all watching these terrible games when it's 12-9, to 9, and then we just want to complain about it. So I don't know. I mean – I think it's just fine the way it is. I just kind of expect games to be terrible on Thursday. That that's why, for me. But why is why is that? Do you think it's the players that they're out of rhythm with their normal schedule with yeah. their normal week, or is it that is it we just have some bad matchups? I, I think it's I think it's the combination of what they put their body through the week before the Sunday to Thursday turnaround, and then it's also the creatures of habit. Like you know, we know this. A lot of people just do the same things every single week when you're a professional like that, and that's why they're so good. To get your schedule thrown off like that, it's it's very tough. And so I think it's the combination of those two things. And Russ in the Hall of Fame, I don't think he's hurting his Hall of Fame career. I think he was pretty much going to be a Hall of Famer regardless with his career in Seattle after that Super Bowl. But, I mean, he just he just he's, he's just weird. Like, he's just a weirdo. Yeah. And it's it's really I, – I don't even know how to explain it, but, like, I just – I don't like him because he's so weird. Yeah, and I, and I always try to say, like, look, the, the persona, the public persona that we get or we get to see, it's – with most athletes, it's it's not authentic. Like, we don't really know who they are. We don't really know Tom Brady. We don't really know Russell Wilson. We don't really know these guys. But it, it's evident that he's not the warmest guy or maybe the most liked guy in his own locker room in Seattle and now probably in, in Denver. But that said, I, I kind of agree with Kyle Brandt. Like, if, you, if you're Russell Wilson for the amount of money that he is making – 
You have to come in and you have to perform. I don't even think you have to be a good locker room guy to be well-liked. You just have to come in and be respected because you have to perform, and he's not getting it done. But I think s- some of it, though, I think is the Broncos. Doesn't he, But doesn't Russell Wilson seem overly fake compared to the other guys? Like, I know that we're, we don't know the real Tom Brady. We don't know the real lot of guys. But Russell Wilson seems so over-the-top fake that it's it's just so phony. Like, the players are seeing this. Yeah, that has followed him throughout his career. It was even in college that people said, gosh, you know, he is, he is so image-conscious. But I've seen that. I've seen players do this. Like, you know, I, I even watched Michael Jordan when he was playing in the NBA. He would come into the locker room. He, like a lot of guys, would give an interview at their locker. And, you know, they'd be very, in various states of dress. Some of them would just have a towel on. Some of them would say, let me put a T-shirt on. Michael Jordan would get fully dressed, get in his suit, get his tie, get his earring in. Then, he, you know, he had to look perfect before he turned and addressed the camera. And he was one of, I think, the pioneers it, when you talk about professional athletes who who really recognized that brand was important, brand mattered. And so I think guys after him uh, have, have addressed, have come upon that. Like, I do think some players don't care. Others, you know, are more authentic, but I think there's a whole generation of athletes that are concerned about their image, and I do think it's probably amplified because, look, I mean, look at who Russell Wilson married. I mean, he married married another celebrity who's in entertainment and and it is a is an artist, and so she, I think, is doing some of that too. So you have this couple that's giving this image out front all the time, and there's no break from it, and and I don't think like we ever really get to see him behind the scenes or see her behind the scenes. And I think it's a really difficult thing probably for him to do and for her to do to drop your guard in that way. But but I think some other athletes who may have a significant other who isn't in the spotlight probably do a better job of maybe showing a little bit more of their personal side. And I think, you know, a lot of times those relationships don't work out. You see two, You see celebrities marrying celebrities, you see trouble. I mean, Tom and Giselle in trouble, that's the latest example. But yeah, I think there's some phoniness to, to Russell Wilson, but I also think if the guy performs on the field, it doesn't matter. Like, there's weirdness to Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, there, you know, some of these guys are quirky and different and come from different backgrounds and you know, have different personalities. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers on a cleanse doing what he's doing. I don't know if he's showering or not. Like, you know, what weird thing is Aaron Rodgers doing today uh, becomes a thing. But Russell Wilson, if he performs on the field, suddenly this isn't an issue. But he's not performing. Thursday night football... I don't think it was any any accident that the first Thursday night football game of the season, the NFL is very intentional, they gave us a great matchup. They gave us Kansas City, and they gave us the Chargers in that you know big Amazon Prime debut. Then after that, it was Steelers-Browns, it was Dolphins-Bengals, now Colts-Broncos, next week it's Commanders-Bears, then Saints-Cardinals. These aren't great games. Ravens-Buccaneers, you know, uh, I think until even... Even, you know, week nine, we get Eagles-Texans. It's, you know, the Eagles are good, but Texans are a winless team right now. Um, I think really until, like, later in the year, week 13, you know, you'll get Buffalo again. Buffalo's at New England that week. I don't know if New England's going to be any good by then. Probably not. But, you know, Niners-Seahawks in week 15. Like, these these are not great games. It's like you're getting, you're getting leftovers on a Thursday night. Peter Sampson, what do you see on Thursday night? 
And what's going on with Russell Wilson? Man, that game was atrocious. It's very difficult to to get me to turn off a Thursday night game, especially with the uh, the beauty of the new Prime broadcast, which I'm really enjoying. Uh, I watched Oklahoma City Thunder preseason basketball in League Pass, which is telling you all you need to know about this game. And look, I think a lot of it uh, with Thursday night, it is the matchup issues. I mean, you rattled through uh, after week one. The only one that was semi-watchable was Dolphins Bengals, and then of course the uh, the Tua injury really sort of superseded that. But when it comes to Russ, I mean, it's kind of an open secret that he's been chasing an MVP the last couple years, maybe more than actually winning. And what I see him doing is he's pressing and he's trying to make that play. He's trying to give us that moment, even when it's not the play that his team needs. It's not what uh, he needs to be doing as the quarterback of a team trying to fight for the playoffs, but he's trying to give that highlight and it, it, that's kind of out there uh and that's not a good thing if you you know if you're a potential hall of famer you need to be all about the team you shouldn't be at 30 whatever years old 30 years old 32 years old trying to openly or at least an open secret chasing an individual award and he's sort of getting that rep right now yeah i think there's uh there i mean there's a lot of this personality stuff there's personality stuff in the real world like we all have ego we all have personalities we all have quirks and I think there are, you know, anybody listening to the show knows that you have a coworker or two that you really love. You have a coworker or two that you go, man, that person's kind of strange or they're different or I don't know. I would hang out with that person outside of work. Like, you know, we've all been there. I might be that guy on the show. I don't know. But it, in the end, I think when you're the quarterback of a team, you know, I do think Kyle Brandt's right in that, you know, everyone sees the money. They see the $245 million or whatever Russell Wilson's going to get paid. They see what the Broncos gave up to get him. He comes in. He doesn't perform. He's kind of a strange guy. All of a sudden now, people go after his personality. Now, But if he's making the plays on the field, I don't think that we're having this conversation. I think people are talking about, you know, because that's what he did in Seattle. He was the same guy in Seattle, and people said, oh, he's different. You know, he's quirky. But the 12s, the 12s stuck with him. But now it's like I think it's become fashionable to kind of pile on and go after a guy. And on Thursday night, look, I think the NFL knows what it's doing with Thursday night football. Like, obviously, television money is driving everything in sports right now. The games that are scheduled for Sunday, uh, you know, the networks are paying uh, through the nose to get those football games. So the NFL is going to put its best games with its primary media partners. Monday night football is getting the next best game, and in often cases, we'll get the best game. And Sunday night football going to get, you know, going to get the going to get good games on Sunday night football. We have much better matchups on Sunday night football coming down the pipeline. And but you know, I think that Thursday night is kind of like, hey, you know, what do we have that we don't need for Sunday and Monday and Sunday night? And that's kind of what it's become. Like we're not getting week 8. You know, you look at the Sunday night games on week 8, we're getting Packers Bills on week 8. That's a really good game. You know, we're we're getting uh, Niners Chargers in week 10. We're getting uh, Packers Eagles in Week 12. You're getting Chiefs Broncos. Now they thought the Broncos were going to be good when they probably schedule it. You're getting Chiefs Broncos in Week 15. But these Thursday night stinkers, I think, are leftovers. All except that opening week game where they knew they were pitting Patrick Mahomes against Justin Herbert, and Amazon was going to get a huge audience, and they were going to, you know, they gave that to Amazon. So I, I really think that. Thursday night is kind of an afterthought to the NFL, and it sure looked like it last night. I want you to leave it here. We're going to talk about Draymond Green. How did that video get out? 
The video of him punching Jordan Poole is out. How did it get leaked? The Warriors are investigating. We'll talk about it and what should happen to Draymond next. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. I wrote about a couple of infamous Trailblazers fights, if you could call them fights, today at johnconzano.com. If you subscribe, if you get a free subscription, a paid subscription, whatever works for you. But if you subscribe, you uh, got that in real time in your email inbox this morning. Uh, for the rest of you, you can read it at johnconzano.com. But I wrote about the summer of 2005, Blazers practice facility, uh, Ned Sinanovic. Uh, who was from Bosnia, was, pr- you know, working out with Ha Sung Jin, who was from South Korea, told the story on yesterday's show about how it ended in a uh, scrap where they were tussling and tangling and wrestling, and Ha got punched in the face, and uh, they were separated by trainers and other personnel, strength and conditioning coach was there too, and they separated the two guys, and they sent Ha to the weight room, and they put Ned in the practice facility and kind of said, you guys cool off, you know, you shouldn't be throwing punches, whatever, and all of a sudden, here came Ha. He had grabbed a wooden dowel from the Blazers' weight room, and he was swinging it at Ned and hit him twice with it uh, before they uh, got the got that closet dowel or whatever that thing is away from him. Uh, I also wrote about Reuben Patterson and Zach Randolph. People remember, I think it was right around 2003. This was during the season where Zach Randolph saw Reuben Patterson kind of harassing Quintel Woods during a scrimmage in practice and you know they were trash talking and he was pushing him and bullying him a little bit and Zebo came in and cold cocked Reuben Patterson. Blazer fans may remember he shattered Reuben Patterson's eye socket and Patterson there was a lot of blood and uh, Blazers staffers who were there at the time said that Reuben Patterson ran around the practice facility chasing Zebo, blood everywhere uh, and telling him he was going to kill him. And the Blazers believed him. Like, they were worried. And so he never did get Zebo. Reuben Patterson went to get medical attention. Zebo left the practice facility, and the Blazers told him not to go home. So Zebo spent the next couple of nights in a safe house known as Dale Davis's house, hanging out with uh, Dale Davis so he didn't get killed by Reuben Patterson, who, who a lot of people thought would retaliate. I was reminded of that with this Jordan Poole, Draymond Green thing. The video came out, TMZ got it, and uh, it shows Draymond Green essentially knocking Jordan Poole out. Like, you know, a little push, some words, and then all of a sudden Draymond snapped. Straight right, uh, and, and just clocked him. And it's disturbing. Now, people will tell you this stuff happens all the time. Richard Jefferson the uh, former NBA player who's pretty outspoken. He talked about that. I'm going to play a clip from Richard Jefferson here, sort of talking about what happened. And he still believes, though, that Draymond can can play with Jordan Poole, like that they can get through this. I find that very interesting, an interesting thing. And also the Warriors are really interested in how the video got out. They are investigating. They are trying to figure that out. But in the meantime, uh, I want to play this clip from Richard Jefferson. He has uh, watched the video, and he has some words 
uh, about what it means. Let me say this. I'm shooting, I'm looking. You don't do this. Now, fights like this happen all the time in practice. That's 100% normal. That once or twice a year, guys get, get you know a little bit of a scuffle. I've told stories on here about fights that I've been in. That being said, Draymond has been in these a lot. We've seen situations with Steve Kerr. We've seen situations with Kevin Durant. And now this. Look, when you're a four-time champion, this is this is who he is at this point in time, and the Warriors have to deal with it. But that's not cool by Dre. It's just not cool. There it is. Not cool. He's got to fix it. Got me thinking. First of all, I've got a theory on how the video got out. I want to hear yours, Peter, and yours, Steven. I also want to know what you guys think should happen to Draymond. Here's my theory. Um, I think Jordan Poole's agent, when they conclude this investigation, is going to be the source of this. That's my hunch. I have nothing to go on it other than I'm asking who does this serve because a lot of the narrative coming out of this was that Jordan Poole had been uh, mouthing off to Draymond, and, and I, you know, he stands to gain the most by getting this out there. I also think that the Warriors are going to have to do something. You look back and you see uh, various penalties ranging from about eight games to, in the Blazers' case, Zach Randolph got a two-game suspension and a $100,000 fine. I think it's going to be more than that. I think we're probably looking at like 10 or 12 games for Draymond and a significant fine. And I'm also interested to see, and I wrote this today, like I'm interested if these, to see if these guys can work together. Like, can you know, beyond the penalty, beyond the narrative out there, beyond all the who leaked the video and all that, can these two guys coexist in the locker room and work together? Jordan? It, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah. I mean, it, it seems like a suspension is going to come down, but only because of the video, right? Like, if the video never surfaces, we just blow this off. Kind of like yesterday we were talking about it, and we just said, well, this stuff happens. This stuff happens in practice, and I think you're right. Something when Jordan Poole's camp, had to have looked out for that video because he was the one yesterday that we thought, well, you know, he's just talking trash. Like this happens at practice, not a big deal. It's going to be all the same. But in the video, Draymond Green is in the total wrong in this in this whole thing. So it starts with them talking, yapping back and forth, and Draymond gets right in his face. Jordan Poole does push him, so Jordan Poole needs to be ready for whatever happens next. Like I'm fully understanding of that. That's happened to me when I play basketball. Like I pushed a guy and then I got sucker punched, but that's my fault because I didn't have my head on a swivel. He pushed it, but Draymond ended it, and he did it in a way that he didn't have to do it. So I think Jordan Poole looks a lot better today than he did yesterday. Do you buy my theory that his agent will ultimately be behind the release of this tape? 100%. I, I, do you want to hear my crazy, crazy yeah. conspiracy theory? Yeah, do it. Uh, Bob Myers did it. Draymond thinks he's coming for his max. He's been public about it. it. This is a dude that's averaged single digits four straight years now. The juice has stopped being worth the squeeze with Draymond. You can never get rid of him. But if you publicly show that his act is wearing thin, he's the bad guy. Now you have a way to get out of this. You can pay pool. You don't have to pay Draymond 30 million bucks. You can punish Draymond and send him to Portland. Yep. There you go. Is that how you is that how you do it? Look, here's another thing. Like, like you know, look, it's no secret that Jordan Poole is not well liked around the league. He is a, he's a trash talker. He is a fake tough guy. And Draymond, this is a bad combination. Draymond Green's attitude and his fieriness and his impulse control issues and and who he is as a competitor. Like you love it, but like the whole narrative this whole time has been that the Golden State Warriors culture is so great that this is the only place Draymond Green can exist and win. 
is Golden State. This is the first time we've really seen like a fissure in that that Warriors culture. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, Peter's point is is good. It's very taken well. Like I I understand where that's coming from. Like if that is the case, this is the easiest way to get rid of Draymond because you yeah. know that Stephen Clay plays so well with him that he doesn't fit in every single culture. He doesn't fit in every single system. Golden State is the perfect system for him. But if they don't want him anymore, this is the best way to get rid of him. So I, I, I could buy that. I could buy that, Peter. I don't know, though, because yesterday, like Bob Myers yesterday, the whole thing was downplay, downplay, downplay. They wanted to, that, like, it felt to me that they wanted to slap him on the wrist and they wanted to, like, you know, act like nothing happened. This is just, like, this stuff always happens. Like, they didn't seem that disappointed with it. Well, then, do, you think, do you think if a video never surfaces, he gets suspended? I think the video's out there because there's a motivated party that wanted to make Jordan Poole look better or sympathetic or have, for us to have empathy for him. I'll buy Peter's thing. That's a, I think it's a positive byproduct the Warriors may seize. But I felt like late in the year last year, you guys tell me if I'm wrong, and you know, as they got to the Western Conference Finals and the Finals, Draymond was a liability uh, on the yep. court. Yep. You know, he, he wasn't helping them. Yeah, one one hundred percent. And I mean, Draymond giveth and Draymond taketh away. And the older he gets, and the more he uh, start acts out of pocket. I mean, at a certain point, like I said, the juice just isn't worth the squeeze when he's on and he's contributing. I mean, he's fantastic. He's a key part of those runs. But at a certain point, he, he's he's old. He's less effective. He can't score. And then all the attitude stuff on top of that, it 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 has a limited shelf life. Well, because so because of that. Can Draymond Green and Jordan Poole to play together? Because Jordan I, Poole, I don't know. I don't think so. Because he's a budding star, you can't get rid yeah. of Jordan right. Poole, but you could probably get rid of Draymond. At this yeah, point if their ages were different, I, it's a whole different story. But I, you're looking at a guy who is aging out, and you know whose you know ship may have sailed. But I also think, like ideally for the Warriors, you fix this and you show, hey, we can overcome this. But I just don't think. I think these two guys, they've had issues before. I think it'll continue to be an issue. Tim Kalakami in the Bay Area, who is the I, the most trusted person on that Warriors beat, uh, he's saying, look, this is Steph Curry's team. This is not Jordan Poole's team. This is not Draymond's team. This team will follow Steph. But I I think if you're Steph Curry, you've got to pick you know, who you're riding with here, and I don't think it's going to be Draymond. I think, they're, I think you guys are right. I think uh, Draymond Green will be traded at some point of this season. All right, we're going to go to Salt Lake City next. Utah's playing UCLA. Josh Furlong of KSL in Salt Lake City is going to join us. He's headed to the game in Pasadena. We'll talk a little Pac-12 later in the show. What's your peeve? I want you to stand by with it. What's bothering you? We'll talk about it. And John Wilner of the Bay Area News Group will be joining us in the 5 o'clock hour. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Josh Furlong does a heck of a job covering Utah football. He's an AP Top 25 voter. You can read him at KSL.com. He uh, handles the sports there and all things Utah. He's joining us now. Uh, you know, big games. This next two weeks for Utah, Josh, are going to be huge. How, how are, how's the Utah fan base doing with this? Yeah, I think this is a, a great opportunity for them, and I think most people are kind of recognizing that, right? I think they... They understand this is probably their toughest stretch of the season, and if you can get past these two wins or two games with wins, uh, that's going to go a long way to, to giving Utah kind of what they need to for uh, you know a repeat in the Pac-12 championship. 
The, the, is there a chance that Utah looks past UCLA to USC? I'm sure that's been talked about. What's your feel on that? Yeah, I, I don't think so this year. I mean, I think in years past, maybe, I think UCLA wasn't maybe considered as much of a threat. Uh, this has been pretty lopsided the last few years in terms of, of Utah beating UCLA. Um, but this year, I, you know, I don't think that's the case, right? I mean, I know USC is always that game that Utah prepares for. There's always kind of that hostility and, and, and excitement going into that game. But from my interactions with everybody up there on the hill this year, uh, this, this game doesn't feel like that. It, it feels like they do have their full attention. Uh, UCLA comes in, obviously, 5-0. and They've got a great team that's basically the same as last year with some additions. Obviously, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who's, who's a phenomenal athlete and, and continues to develop under Chip Kelly. So, you know, from, from at least just what, can I, what I can tell is, you know, the, the vibe for the team going into this game is, is all about the same. It's all about that same business that they expect and, and really trying to make sure that they, they focus on UCLA just like they would at USC, uh, knowing that these two games are going to be especially huge for them as they try to get to that, that uh, top standing in the conference. I want to run a theory by you because I'm looking at Cam Rising this season, and he's really good. He's experienced. I really like him. I think he's one of the top three quarterbacks in the conference. But there's something about him that isn't, quite what it was at the end of last season and I can't put my finger on whether it's he just needs some more time has there been some personnel changes Uh, is he pressing a little more and I'm not really even talking about the Florida game just kind of in general he's been really good but not great what am I seeing out there yeah I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about because I kind of have that same vibe that I get from him um I think there's there's part of it where he's feeling confident and he feels like he knows what he's doing but on the other hand, you're right, he is pressing it a little bit, right? He's trying to make plays. Um, and then most recently, you take away his favorite target, the guy that is always a guarantee with Frank Keithy at the tight end spot. And now he's kind of forced to kind of figure out what he needs to do. Um, you know, I think in the offseason, he was told, hey, we need to kind of develop our, our wide receivers, get the ball on the outside a little bit more. Obviously, you, you know, the team was using the middle a lot and, and really honing in on that, those tight ends. And so I don't know if it's one of those things where he's really trying to kind of go through his progressions and trying to, to develop as a quarterback and take it to the next level. And that's kind of maybe where we're seeing him um, maybe not have that same pizzazz as we saw last year. Now, with that being said, yeah, you're right. I mean, he is, he is doing, you know, better if not about the same as last year, but there just doesn't seem to be that same spark. Um, and I think maybe it's that. Maybe it's just trying to do too much, trying to, trying to put too much on his shoulders and not just letting the game come to him to some extent. So, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see how it goes. I, I for one, think that you know he, he's got the right temperament to be able to do it. He's, he's got the right ability to be able to help Utah get where they need to go. But until they kind of get into an offensive rhythm, I, I agree with you that there's, there's still kind of this, this something missing that, that is, is from his game that we haven't seen yet, where he doesn't come into that game and you just exude confidence, right, and, and you just know, okay, Cam's going to go score on this play. So uh, just like you, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to kind of see how this develops, especially in a game like UCLA. Yeah, and I think last year Utah kind of went through a lull in the middle of the season too. It was about maybe about this point when you know when they played Oregon State at Oregon State, didn't play their best football, but then after that game they just turned it on. Do you have the sense that this team is ready to flip the switch? Do they have that feel to you? Uh, see, I don't, I don't know, right? Like, I don't, I don't get anything from them that necessarily speaks to me that, like, oh, this is a turning point, right? I think last week, to some extent, against Oregon State was a turning point. You saw a team that was, you know, battled through adversity. It wasn't going as well as they wanted. 
and they still managed to score 42 points when Oregon State's defense is doing a, a phenomenal job. So maybe maybe that was the turning point, but I I don't feel like I get that same vibe. And maybe a lot of that was is lost from last year with you know Aaron and Ty dying and and kind of rallying around that cause. And so now we're kind of seeing this a normal field of season. But I, I I'm with you. Like I don't I don't get something that that speaks to me that says okay Utah's now ready to turn a corner. I think they're speaking confident. I think they're developing and they're growing. But I don't know if they've quite flipped that switch yet that says this is what it is. Now, this game has to be it, right? Like, I think you have to be able to go into this and say, you know, this is this is where our season, you know, picks up. You can say that you have revenge games against San Diego State and Oregon State and all these other games, but this is where things matter, and you've got to be able to develop that. And if you can't flip a switch now, I don't know when you're going to do that. Maybe, you know, maybe if they lose this weekend, maybe that kind of kicks them into gear and, and does it that way. But um, I, I think it's more of just a gradual um, increase, a gradual uh, climb right now. So uh, I, I don't see anything that necessarily gives me confidence to say, oh, this is going to be a sudden switch. Josh Furlong with us, uh, KSL in Salt Lake City. The, you know, the coaching staff obviously is going to preach you know, one game at a time. I'm really looking forward to that USC game in two weeks just to see uh, you know, how good is USC? And I, I really like Utah in that game. Do you like Utah in this game with UCLA coming, you know, long week for them? They get an extra day of prep. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, fifth-year starter at quarterback. I mean, there's some scary things out there on UCLA's uh, side here. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's aspects of this game that, that should absolutely terrify Utah fans. Uh, just knowing what type of a player Dorian Thompson-Robinson is, and just his ability to be able to extend plays with the run and, and being able to develop as a passer. But I also see it on, on the flip side where there are opportunities here for Utah to grow. You know, UCLA's defense has improved, but their pass defense hasn't been as great as their run defense. And so, you know, if Utah can find some success in the passing game, maybe they find a way to be able to, to really develop that, and then maybe that relaxes the defense a bit and the run game can, can progress. Uh, all in all, you know, I think, I think Utah's defense is going to match up well with this team. I think Utah has their chances, but for me, like this is not one of those games where Utah can go in there and they can you know, lose the turnover battle and, and try to eke out a win at the end. I think Utah has to be on their top game and, and, and really come into the Rose Bowl thinking that you know they're the better team and, and play like it, right? They can't over-pursue. They can't try to do too much in, in trying to contain DTR. They have to be able to keep him in, in the pocket as much as possible. They're not going to do it all the time but keep him in the pocket as much as possible and really just try to win the little little wins in the game that they can and, and try to get out on top at the end. But but I think there there is some success here. Could I see UCLA winning 100%? Um, but I think that right now, as it stands, I think Utah has enough that they can they can get it done. It's just a matter of how, how well. The Utah run game, you know, Kyle Whittingham, I think, has talked a little bit about wanting to run the ball more. Do they have the back they like? Do they have the offensive line capable of doing that? What needs to change? I think it's a little bit of both, right? Like, I think the offensive line is not getting the push that, that Kyle would like. Um, they've been successful, and, and some of that is, you know, you saw an Oregon State team that did a phenomenal job of, of loading the box, bringing up the linebackers and closing the lanes and doing different things that way. So it's easy to look back on last week and say, you know, that, that Utah really struggled in the run game, and they did. But I, I think it's a combination of the offensive line as well as just finding Tavion Thomas, right? Tavion Thomas has been battling through some, some adversity off the field. Um, he, you know, he, he needs to be a little bit more accountable in the program, and that's what Kyle's trying to get him to do. Uh, he, he did have a death in his family of, of his aunt who basically raised him, so that's been really hard on him. He's taken it hard, and, 
and it's led to some off-the-field things that have kind of kept him from playing. So if he's able to progress, I think Utah's fine in the run game, right? Like, we've seen Tavion Thomas be able to develop. He's clearly the best running back in the room right now. If they can get him on the field for at least 30 touches, be able to do, you know, things with him in the backfield that will allow them to be able to be more diverse, I think that helps. They've got other guys behind him that are able to be successful, but you do lose that when you don't have him there. So, you know, for me, it's, it's, I don't know if we really have seen it yet just simply because Tavion has been out, and he, you know, he's only had like six carries last game. I think he only had about six carries the game before. So uh, that's, that's where it needs to progress, and I think this week they have to be able to find a way to do that, or else Utah's going to be in a lot of trouble. We're talking to Josh Furlong, KSL in Salt Lake City. Uh, Josh, let me, you know, look at the big picture for us a little bit. It, which two teams do you think end up in Vegas at the end of this season? No, no north-south division. They're just supposed to get the best two teams. What are we going to see here? Yeah, I've gone back and forth on this so many times, and I think you're seeing this conference, uh, it, it's so much deeper this year than we, we saw last year, where it just wasn't really that good. And so, like, there's, there's so many options that I can see. I can see Washington State getting there, though their path is a little bit harder. Uh, I, I still think the top four teams are going to be the Utah, USC, UCLA, Oregon. And so whatever order that shakes out to, I wouldn't be surprised. But if you have to, like, make me pick today, I'd probably say it's Utah and USC. But, I mean, these next two games are going to be a big test for all three of those teams to be able to kind of figure out what's going on and, and everything there. Washington, I think they're close. I think they've done a lot of, of good, and, and you're seeing, obviously, with Michael Penick Jr. what they can do. But I just don't know if they're maybe in that same uh, level yet. But I mean, all you need to do is win the right games and not lose the bad ones, right? So uh, that's that's probably where I'd go right now. I know that's a, a pretty generic pick based on how the season looked at the beginning of the season. But uh, I still think there, there's a lot of optimism that those two teams are probably the ones that come out on top. I really appreciate you making time for us. I know you're headed out to the game, so I'm going to let you go, Josh. But you have a pick in this game. You give a score in this game. I think I called it. Uh, I got Utah by by eight in this game. The win by one score. How do you see it? Well, you know, I see Utah covering. I see this is a game where as long as Utah does play the game that, you know, we think that they can play, I think they're the better team. And so for that reason, I have them as a seven-point win. I put it somewhere like a 34-27 type win for, for Utah. There it is. That's about how I see it. Josh Furlong, KSL, I'll see you down the road, man. Thank you. Sounds good. There he is. Utah-UCLA. Second biggest game of the weekend, I think, or the first. Washington State playing USC is the other. I think it's really an interesting discussion on which of the teams in the L.A. is going to be the better team. The UCLA fans are now coming out of the woodwork going, hey, where's our respect? We think we're the best team in the conference. I also think, you know, I think that when you look at the conference right now, today, we have Utah, UCLA, USC, Oregon, who I think are the four best teams. But I think we might be able to eliminate one or two of those teams, uh, you know, come Saturday night. And I think UCLA might be the pretender in that group. I also think Utah is going to boat race USC, but we're a week away from that. We'll talk about that when it's time to talk about that. Leave it here. Our big splash coming up next. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game.
Friday. It's a beautiful day. I know it's supposed to be fall or whatever. Gorgeous outside. Uh, Mariners up 4-0 in the top of the ninth in game one of the American League wild card. There goes that pitching uh, as the Mariners keep it going. I think America getting to know them a little bit. Meanwhile, uh, a couple other stories that are out there. The NFL Players Association has agreed to some concussion protocol changes. This all coming out, I think, of the uh, Tua incident and the Miami Dolphins. Teams seem to be uh, more tuned into that. Tua is not traveling this week with the Dolphins. They were very quick to uh, rule him out. Uh, also, um, you got uh, 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 the Warriors investigating the video leak of what, what news entities are calling a scuffle. That's not a scuffle. What would you guys, how would you guys classify what Draymond Green did to Jordan Poole? Cheap shot. Sucker punch. Yeah. The scuffle. That's not a fight. Like, to me, a scuffle is two people involved. I always, you know, cringe when I see that. People say it was a fight. It was not a fight. Jordan Poole pushed him. But Draymond, there was only one guy throwing punches. Yeah, Poole would have had to have his hands up to be a fight. He pushed him and then put his hands down. He wasn't looking to fight. He was just looking to get Draymond off him. Yeah. Get away from me. I don't want to talk to you. He was actually looking away, kind of, until until he pushed him, and then Draymond came with that straight right. But the Warriors are looking into the video leak, trying to figure out who had access to the video and whatnot. Of course, this brings us uh, to our big splash. It's the one thing that you need to know. The one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Where? Down there. But the big splash. Well, a pit basketball player has been charged with assault. That's right. Basketball player Dior Johnson, who, by the way, the University of Oregon was hot after. Uh, looks like the Ducks dodged a bullet, has been charged with aggravated and simple assault, unlawful restraint, false imprisonment, strangulation. There was an incident that happened in September. Um, he is charged with assaulting a woman at an apartment. Apparently, uh, he became angry with the woman for getting his phone wet. He slapped her across the face and uh, then went after her and then came back at 4 a.m. and... Uh, he took her phone, by the way, and then gave her phone back at 4 a.m. So there it is. A uh, woman said she was hit multiple times, and uh, he was uh, apparently uh, not, uh, not listening and not following the law, and he has now been charged with assault. There are a lot of Duck fans out there who were on Twitter saying, gosh, we uh, dodged a bullet there as uh, pit guard Dior Johnson, not Oregon guard Dior Johnson, has the assault but for uh people who remember dior at the university of oregon and in a oregon uniform there uh there are a lot of people who are uh looking at um the the program as dodging a bullet today so there you go sometimes it's the guy you don't get and rather than the die the guy you do get that makes your program that's i guess the big splash today six six two oh five um, now he's a problem for Pitt, not a problem for Dana Altman in the University of Oregon. Gosh, you got as a coach, you got you got to look at that. If you're Dana Altman, you got to go. You know what? He committed to us, and now he's Pitt's problem. That's okay. So there you go. What do you guys make of that? Yeah, it would be tough as a coach because I mean, 
again, it goes back to being kind of fake and phony to these coaches and the players and the media. Like, you don't know who these people actually are. So, like, when Dana Oliver's recruiting this guy, he doesn't know that he's going to be a guy that, you know, beats up women. Like, we don't know that. And so, yeah, I mean, he's got to feel feel lucky and count his lucky stars that uh, he didn't end up going to Oregon, and he's not his problem right now. Yeah, and, and but when you Google Dior, you know, Johnson – he, you know, you see all the commitment and the photos of him in an Oregon uniform, but he goes down. Like he also, he also committed to Syracuse, and then decommitted, then committed to Oregon, and then committed to Pitt. And you look at his high school; he played for nine different high schools, nine, including IMG Academy, Finlay Prep, Fairfax, Mayfair, Oak Hill, uh, Prolific Prep, Centennial, Southern California Academy. You know, he, he went from New York to Florida to Nevada to Cal- to L.A. to Lakewood to Virginia. The, this is high school career. D- is that a problem? Play, no, he played for 10 high schools in five states. That's a major red flag. I can understand you. It, maybe it doesn't work one place. I guess, depending on what you tell me, maybe it doesn't work at two places. Uh, when you're talking double digits, you're the problem. It shows, it shows, though, when you are talented, how many chances people are willing Ugh. to give you, which is so disgusting. Felony domestic abuse charges. He's not been arrested, but he has been charged. So uh, there you go. That's Or he faces serious charges. All right, coming up, we're going to play some punch and audio. John Wilner will join us in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll play uh, What's Your Peeve also next hour as well if you're somebody who has got something burning on your mind. But up next, we will catch you up on everything going on in sports from Major League Baseball to the NFL. If you've been in a coma... The next 15 minutes of radio will make it not matter, basically. We'll catch you all the way up. I appreciate that you're here on this great Friday. Beautiful day outside. Man, I looked around today at about 2 o'clock, and I was like, man, it is gorgeous. I will take this. If you're somebody who loves the cold, misty, rainy Oregon falls and winters, I'm sorry. Uh, Don't at me. I rather enjoy uh, the extension of summer. I enjoy a long spring. Maybe I'm just different. But Punch It Audio's next. You got the bald face truth statewide on the BFT Radio Network. BFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the bald face truth. How many high schools is too many before you before it raises a flag on the on the Dior Johnson front, guys? If we're looking at a resume, at what point do you go? Ah, eh, something might be off here. He went to ten high schools in five years. I mean, you have to look into it. Are they? Is it all basketball related, or is it because the family's moving? But I think at three, when you're at your third high school, that's when the red flags start going. I'm with Peter. You give it one, maybe something happened. You can understand. Go to the second high school, but when you get to three, that's when I start get my ears up a little bit. Sign of the times, or an outlier? Ten high schools, five years. I think sign of the times. I mean, my brother, he's a high school coach. He he's seen a lot of people transfer in and out of schools, going from one just trying to get playing time or like feeling they get, you know, didn't get the chance at their first high school, so they go somewhere else. So I think it's time to uh, time to we see time in the, the times. You see in the club world because a lot of times kids in a club program if the club coach doesn't tell them what they want to hear parents pull them out of the club they stick them in another club they're just look 
They're like, tell us what we want to hear or we're moving. Well, and it's a lot of like the personal trainers as well. Like those people, it's all a sell job. And they will tell these kids, oh, you'll be D1 for sure. And they tell the parents this and then they give them a lot of money. And then they're just not good enough because it is incredibly hard to be a Division One athlete, as we all know. Like, we all want to be that. I wanted to be a D1 player. I wasn't good enough. But, like, these kids all think that they are. And so then it's always the coach's fault or the other player's fault. It's never their fault. It's always going to be the coach's. When did you know that you weren't a D1 athlete, that it wasn't going to happen for you? What what age or what circumstance did it happen? Uh, I mean, I knew in high school I wasn't going to be a D1 athlete for sure. I knew I thought I could play college basketball when I was in high school, especially as a senior. But D one never thought I was a D one player. I, in baseball, I had the coach at Santa Clara say that in their D one say that I could come to Santa Clara, no scholarship, and maybe when I was a junior or a senior, I'd be able to play some outfield and pinch run. Now I think that's I, that's a, that was a reality check for me because I was like. I'm not sticking around for three years to pinch run. Yeah. So after my sophomore year, because I went to junior college, I had a I had a slight thought that I might want to go play, try to play at Portland State. But at the same time, I didn't want to be you know just a guy on the bench. Like I wanted to actually play. So I'd been offered by D two, but was offered by zero D one teams. So um, I had a thought that I wanted to play D one, but I knew I would never get on the court. So I decided against it. I also had a dad who was a professional baseball player, and so I was probably about twelve. When I watched him take ground balls, he was a shortstop in AAA. I watched him take ground balls, and I went, I, I can't do that. I don't have that. I don't have the, I don't have the hands. And I, wasn't, I couldn't beat him in a foot race till I was 18, and he was aging. And that was part of why I could beat him in a foot race. So I got a, I got a taste at like 12, 13, 14 of how good you have to be to get to that level. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not there. Like, I don't have that. I don't have that footwork. And I don't have the hands that he had. And so, I, like, I, I wasn't that kid that was disillusioned. Like, I all the way, I was like, hey, I'm playing. I'm a, it's okay to just be a good high school player. Like, that's kind of what my mindset was and have fun with it. And even a small college player, too. Yeah. A lot of kids nowadays yeah. don't even want to play junior college or small college. They think it's a failure. But it's like, I got a free education and I got to play in some great atmospheres. Like, when we played, we played at Oregon. We played at Oregon State, like an exhibition game. So, it's, I got a lot of great experiences in small college. Like, it's not it's not bad to play in those no. and then you really can thrive under it. I played division 2 and I I I had very similar. I had I had a lot of fun and it was enjoyable. But I also Stephen, did you relate to this? I, I looked back and I went like, gosh, I put a lot of time into that. I wonder if I should have just played intramurals. That's kind of ringing in my head like, should I have just given up on it and just played intramurals? Like I I was under no illusion that I was going to get drafted and play in the minor leagues and any of that. Like, it it wasn't on my mind. Like, I should have focused on, like, school or something? I should have focused on having more fun. <laughs> like, friend, you know, friends like, and stuff? Yeah. Rather like, than, like, playing Like, 6 a.m. workouts and games and being, you know? I don't know. I, like, I, I enjoy – I was one of the weirdos that, like, enjoyed practice and working out. So, like, I remember during the summertime, it would be like I'd get a call from my assistant coach. be like, yeah, we have a 5-on-5 five five run, and it would be 9 o'clock at night, and I'm, like, hanging out with friends. I'm like, hey, I got to go. I'm going to go play some basketball. So my I was like, I don't yeah. know. I had a lot of fun doing it. My last year I was out of eligibility. I never had more fun than when I was <laughs> out of eligibility. Uh, let's play Punch and Audio. We got great sound. Let's do it. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Fish Truth Headquarters. Hey, we're all about truth, justice, and the American way here, okay? Which is why we've spanned the globe and pulled the top audio cuts of the day. 
you're going to hear little snippets of sound. Hey, it's time for Punch It Audio, presented by First Call Heating and Cooling. Well, the Philadelphia Phillies were, were done. The Cardinals had them until the ninth inning. Here's how it sounded as the uh, Phillies came from behind to beat the Cardinals. Punch it. And the 2-2. Punched out. And past the diving. Edmund in the right field. One run scores. Two runs score. And the Phillies have come all the way back. And they take a 3-2 lead on the clutch. Two-run single by Segura. It is 3-2 Phillies. Great pitch. Even better hitting. Putting the ball in play. Ground balls with eyes. Two rippies. Cardinals led this game 2-0 heading to the top of the ninth. Phillies erupted for six runs in the frame. Went on to win the game 6-3. They lead that wild card series one game to none. Next two games, of course, in St. Louis. Game two of that series tomorrow. Hey, John, do you like when uh, announcers like Michael Kay do the national games? Because it sounds weird when he's doing a Phillies-Cardinals yeah, game rather than a Yankees game. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I would rather hear the local announcer who knows the team and has got a love for them. And I don't know. I don't like it as much. I agree. Mariners got three in the top of the first. Punch it. Suarez, the runner in scoring position. 3-2 to Cal Raleigh. He drives that one deep to right field. On its way, and it is gone! You heard it land. I love that. Mariners leading the Blue Jays in the bottom of the ninth. Four zip. Is that game final yet, guys, or is it still ongoing? Uh, bottom, two outs. Bottom two of the outs. ninth, two outs, yeah. Give us an update. Give us a play-by-play, Peter. Okay. Can you do it? Uh, I cannot. I'm not a play-by-play man. Okay, he takes the sign. Whoever's batting patiently steps out of the box, resets, touches his cap, goes to the belt. Who's at, who's at the plate? Tapia? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Tapia. Andres Munoz, the pitcher for the Mariners. Mariners right. anxiously waiting. Munoz. A lot of... Against Tapia. A lot of What's the count? Is it one two count? One ball, two strikes. Steps one, in against count. Tapia, leans down, takes the sign into the stretch. Here it is. And the pitch fouled off. One one on the fastball. That's outside. not what we needed. We we needed. <laughs> we needed. This is why this is why young people don't get into baseball exactly. right now. By the way, that was a hundred and one mile an hour four seam fastball. Yeah, how did he hit that ball? By the way, <laughs> that was insane. Close your eyes and guess. He needed to throw a hundred and two. <laughs> Give him the high heat here. Four run lead. You don't, you don't want to walk him. Slider low and away. Runner or, on I'm third. sorry, down and in slider right here. The ninety one mile an hour sn- slider. Runner oh. on third. Is that correct? All right, it's over. Gra- it is. Gr- yep, ground ball. Ground ball. Ground ball to second. It's done. Frazier to France. Mariners lead that wild card series one game to none. You heard it right here. Richard Jefferson. He said the unthinkable today. Young Victor Wembanyama. Would he be the number one pick if he were the same age as LeBron? Richard Jefferson thinks so. Punch it. Zachary said that he is the best. That he is the best prospect we've seen since LeBron James. If LeBron James at that exact moment 
showed up, Victor would go higher than him. LeBron James and all the things that we saw, and I'm not saying that he's going to be better than LeBron James. What I am saying is right now, I remember LeBron James 20 years ago. That player was six foot seven. This person is seven four. LeBron James would be number two if he was if he was the exact same age coming in the exact same draft. LeBron James would be number two. That's how crazy this kid is as a prospect. Is is that accurate, guys? Because I got to think like, look, as as amazing as Wembenyama looks. It's still LeBron. Like, LeBron was a no-brainer, number one. Like, generational pick. That is a good question because people forget how crazy the LeBron hype was. That was before social media. Like, we were getting, that was the reason why high school games were on TV because LeBron, I don't know. The thing is, Wimbenyama is seven foot four and doing things we've never seen. LeBron was six eight doing things we haven't seen. I think, I think Wimbenyama is number one over LeBron. I think so, too. You, oh, man. I'll go with the known. I'll just to disagree. I'll go with the known quantity. I'll take LeBron. Let's see how it works out. Adrian Wojnarowski talking about the Warriors. They're investigating how TMZ got the video of Draymond Green punching Jordan Poole. Punch it. Yeah, Malika. They're not launching an investigation. They launched an investigation immediately. Obviously, they are not happy that that video uh, got out of their uh, practice facility and they're trying to figure out uh, where it came from and, and how it got out, whether that was somebody internally or whether that was somebody, uh, listen, there are different people who sometimes have access to uh, a practice and, and so they're trying to figure out um, how that got out and obviously, you know, you would imagine if it is somebody internally in that organization, there would be severe repercussions. It is not always easy though to find the root of a leak like that, they they may or may not be able to, but certainly uh, that's a, a, a priority for the Warriors now is to figure out how that video uh, got out and got on TMZ. Big distraction. You talk about what training camp should be about. It should be about getting focused, getting right, getting your team, getting in shape, getting on the same page. Now the Warriors front office is investigating where the video came from. Internally, there has to be some question about whether or not Draymond Green and Jordan Poole can can coexist in that locker room. And I have to think there's some division itself in the locker room. It'll be really interesting. It's, I said this earlier. The Warriors have been held up, and I have held them up. I'm guilty of this as well. They've been held up as this great example of what winning culture looks like. Pristine culture. There is a crack here in the culture. So is the culture so strong that it will be able to withstand this and repair this and Draymond will get on board or or is it teetering a little bit I'm fascinated by this if you listen to the show you know I'm I think everything's a sociology experiment this is a good experiment I can't wait to see how this ends I suspect Draymond Green's not in a Warriors uniform come February 14th or whatever Valentine's Day leave it here you get the BFT What's your peeve? I want to know. 503-417-7575. What is bothering you? What's on your mind? What don't you like? Now is the time to get it off your chest so you can go into the weekend skipping and whistling. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano. Peter Sampson is up next with The Pulse from 6 to 7 on 750 The Game. 
I want your peeves. What's bothering you? Anna's popped into the studio. She looks like something's bothering her. Something's bothering you? Always. Okay. She's going <laughs> to share that with us coming up. Uh, Peter Sampson will share what his peeve is. Steven will do it. I want yours. Whether you're out there driving or listening at work or in a cubicle, if your boss is right next to you, just slip outside and tell us how bad your boss is. Tell us what your peeve is. 503-417-7575 is the number. I got two lines open right now. Grab them. Let's do it. What's your peeve? Oh, that pisses me off. That pisses me right off. Call 503-417-7575 and tell Kinzano what's your peeve on the BFT. Brought to you by Revolution Dental Implant Center. A smile revolution, one day solution. What is your peeve? I want it. 503-417-7575. Let's go around the room. Mark and Beaverton and some others are waiting. We have lines open. Grab them right now. Anna, what's your peeve? My peeve is uh, people who on social media only ever post just braggy things. Like, and I'm sure I'm as guilty of it as the next person, but the people who are just constantly showing you how amazing their life is, the amazing trip they took, their amazing children, and it's like, come on, I know I know that it couldn't be all that amazing, right? What do you mean? We're supposed to, like, when something doesn't go right, post it? Yeah, you know? just mix in a little bit of levity, a you little. know? Mix in a little bit of someone stole my parking spot. I don't know. Something like something that. Something petty. Something. Yeah. It doesn't even, it can be big. It can be petty. But it's just the people that hop on and like 100% of their posts or the ones that are like. So it's not, it's fake. I don't know that it's fake. Yeah. It could be real. They could really believe that their lives are that amazing, you know. But the ones that are like what? I interrupted you, sir. The ones that are like. Um, like the ones that are where, where people go on and they post a picture of themselves and it's like, I get it. It's nice when you take a decent picture of yourself, like or someone takes one of you to go yeah. on there and collect the compliments. Sure, we all, we you know, we all can kind of relate to that, but it's the people who are doing it on like a weekly basis. Yeah. You're like, oh, Come you, on. you look so cute. You're not living your best life. We all really know. <laughs> we see you at Starbucks and you look like hell. You've been through hell. Come on. You're not fooling any well, of us. Well, don't get me started on filters. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you. Uh, yeah, filters? Yeah. Okay. You know the people that never post a picture without using a filter ever? And then you see them in real life and you're like, oh, that's... They're oh. very photogenic. Yeah, they are person. very photogenic. Okay. Yes, that's All right. a nice way to put it. All right. It. Is it a legit peeve? You're, it's kind of a Russell Wilson thing. Like, he presents a fake facade to the world and the world goes, come on. You're giving us a filter. Is that what's going on with Russell Wilson? Because uh, I think there's a lot of things going on yeah. there. Has it reached the point where you kind of feel bad for him? Or I do. Are we supposed to just all pick on him because he has that big contract? I did not like Russell Wilson until this year when everyone started picking on him. Oh, really? And now I have pivoted. Really? Because, look, I watched the guy. He's a, he was a fantastic quarterback in Seattle. He he was a nightmare for the 49ers. Every time they played him, I was like, okay, there's two minutes left. It, uh -huh. You know, They got Russell. Look out. Yeah. Don't give him a chance to beat you. Yeah. We've all kind of accepted that, that there's a certain amount of phoniness in celebrity. Of course. You know? Yeah. But he is a little over the top phony. 
Like, you know, and, and, and now people are really calling him on it because he's struggling on the field and it's become fashionable. And he also left Seattle, signed the big deal in Denver and has a house with 18 bathrooms. So everybody <laughs> feels like, hey, it's, it's okay to finally call him a phony. But when yeah. he was Seattle's phony, the 12s were like, oh, he's our guy. He's such a good person. Now they're like, he's a fakey Bob. Look at him. Yeah, and they're trying to tell the Broncos fans, see, we told you so. Yeah. We told you he actually wasn't that Okay, so you, what do you want? People to post, like, show us in your bathrobe with no makeup? Is Just, that what we want? I appreciate, like, I appreciate, and in fact, the younger generation, I think, is better at it. I think the younger generation has figured out that authenticity wins. Well, there's that and app. we can all learn from What's that, that app that the... Uh, the Be uh, Real. Be Real, okay? Yeah. So during the summer, we had... The cousins who all came up, yeah. the nieces and nephews all came up to visit us, yeah. hang out in this beautiful Oregon summer, mm-hmm. and they were into this app called Be Real. Yeah. And I happened to uh, be at coffee with the nieces and nephews mm-hmm. when all of them all of a sudden stopped and said, oh, we got a post. And I was like, why now? And they said, Be Real. So there's this app that, for people who don't know, the uh, people like myself who <laughs> learned this late, this app essentially says wherever you are at this moment, you have to take a picture. Yes. And it shows you and it shows your surroundings. So both cameras yeah. on your phone are Front snapping. Front and back camera. Front and back camera. And I literally was like, don't put me in the photo. And they're like, it's too late. <laughs> you're standing behind us. You're going to be in the background of this photo. But it actually gives an authentic glimpse into what is happening, not this filtered version of reality. Yes. Yeah. That's not a bad one, Anna. That's a pretty good one. All yeah. right, let's take a let's alternate. We'll go to the phones now. Mark and Beaverton, what's your peeve? Go ahead. Hey, John and Anderson. Usually, I'm like that person. Like I have an amazing life and great family, but you know what? Today, I'm pissed because I can't stand people. And I'm talking about a person who is on my team at work. We share the same manager. This person has basically lied and said whatever they need to do to make themselves look, um, you know, to look perfect. And they basically dropped the ball. We have a customer-facing role. They dropped the ball, and I had to pick up the pieces. Now, granted, I had no problem doing that, and the silver lining is it makes me look like a star. But I have such a high level of expectation to society, and I continue to get disappointed each and every day. But when it's someone on my own team, I can't even be, like, on the same Zoom call with them because sometimes I don't have a filter, and I want to just tear them a new one. And it's like, would you just grow up, do your bleeping job, and if you can't do that, then go find another job. Love that. What do you think? Have you – I just wonder if he's, like, you know – tried to pull the person aside and had a direct conversation. Yeah, you had that direct one-on-one conversation. Right now, I can't even do that because this is so new and fresh that especially if it was just... And in fact, you know what? I had to drive to Lincoln City today because of this. And Oh, that's, that's my second pet peeve. It wasn't sunny in Lincoln City. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> she wanted to, to bring me aside because we had a team meeting while I was driving and I couldn't even finish the meeting. She goes, can I talk to you after the meeting? And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. I couldn't even do that. And so I basically have ghosted her for the rest of the day. That's probably wise to not have the conversation until you're mentally ready. Like, you can't have those conversations until you can, like, settle the emotions down because it won't be a productive conversation. I'm bad at that. I just have the conversation. Oh, I don't know anything about yeah, that. Yeah, I just go. 
I'm like, I, there's no, dem- I there's noticed. no waiting. No. There's no later. No, there's no pause button. Guys, do you have advice for Mark and Beaverton? Uh, I mean, that's such a tough situation. I mean, have if it's bugging you that bad, have the conversation. Probably a good idea to maybe give it a day or two, but ultimately you, you just got to talk it out. You got to say, hey, come on. Um, Don't solve it the way Draymond Green did. That's 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 you know. <laughs> well, there's some there's some value in that, but not <laughs> not. There also is some downside. Let's go to Zach and Eugene. Zach is listening on Fox Sports. Eugene, tell us your peeve, Zach. My peeve right now is fantasy football. I'm okay. seventh in my league right now, even though I've scored the second most points. I'm one in three. Even though every week the team I lost to was the only team that could beat me that week. If I played anyone else in my league, I would have won and been undefeated. But I yeah. happen to be played against the one player in the whole league that can beat me that week. And I'm 1-3 and three now, and it yeah. is frustrating. Yeah, it's kind of what happens, too. It happens in other sports. You know, you, you run into a good player. It's the schedule. You know, and you don't have Bill Belichick coming into the news conference in the postgame going, hey, we got. We had to play Patrick Mahomes this week. If we would have got to play Russell Wilson, we would have won. So you, I guess, in fantasy football, I'm sorry that you lost your game, but this is kind of the nature of the game. Stephen, what's your peeve? Uh, I wanted to talk about Anna's real quick. I agree. Yeah. Uh, mine kind of goes with it as well. Just the fakeness that we have to put on social media about how excited we are. I'm going to start just posting what I'm really upset with, like, my kids and stuff, and just post it on Twitter and tag you in it, Anna. So, Thank uh, you. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? This sucks. At Anna Kinsano. But, no. Uh, <laughs> so, like, uh, yeah, because my son, he just started preschool. And my wife's just like, oh, yeah, you got to take pictures of it. You got to take pictures. I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to take pictures, but I had to do it. I had to go in the sneak room and take pictures. So uh, that was kind of kind of my first peeve. My second peeve is uh, has to do with the Portland Trailblazers. And that's the fact that uh, Shaden Sharp finally had a good game, but there's no way to watch unless you go ex- illegal streaming, which I'm not against. I'm not against the illegal streaming, but I'd rather not. I'd rather watch it legally. Um, so, you know, it really bothers me that it's 2022 and I can't watch the Blazers in my hometown. I I, uh, I think it's really bad that you can't watch your team. I wonder how it's going to affect young fans especially because how do we fall in love with our teams? We watch them on television or in person. And I think there's a lot of younger Blazer fans, maybe your kids in this category, Stephen, who haven't regularly been exposed to their team. I agree. I agree. And it's just like, you know, I know it's only preseason, but, you know, like it's part of our job. It's part of my job to like watch the game. So now I have to go back and re-download it because uh, I do have a secret website that I can download the games and go back and watch. So I do that. But okay. it's like I would rather just you. do it live. And, you know, I got my podcast. I got to get ready to go for that. So I got to watch these things. And I just would rather watch it as it's happening instead of have to go back and rewatch all the time. So it's just, it's frustrating. Peter, what's your peeve? Oh, man, you caught me on a good day. My peeve right now is talks to you while you're clearly wearing headphones, guy. I I like to take uh, public transport transportation. I like to take the bus. It's, it's a three-minute walk from my house, get my legs stretched, drops me off right at work. And so I uh, stop at the number nine bus stop this morning. Now, for context, I'm wearing a beautiful vintage 1995 Braves jersey. And uh, I see a dude at the bus stop wearing a Red Sox shirt. I don't make eye contact, but I do see his face. I see him look at my chest, and his face lights up. So I face yeah. the other direction. He's been waiting for you. Yeah. Hey, baseball guys. Just two baseball guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, you're, 
I like baseball. And now you got to understand, it's not like I have earbuds in. I have Beats Solo Pro 3. They're giant. They look like studio uh-huh. headphones. And he comes over and he makes a round. And I wouldn't make eye contact. He makes a round again. And then he just right on the shoulder. You think oh. they're going to go all, all the way this year? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I see you're a Red Sox fan. And I just, I had to have a conversation I didn't want to have. I was listening to my podcast. That's hard. And there we go. That's mm. really hard. But he's essentially doing that. I like baseball. You mm-hmm. like baseball thing, you know? You couldn't have had a bigger neon sign that said, I don't want to talk with those headphones, right? I might as, I, I might as well have had my head in a cardboard box and he still would have come most, for me. Most people respect that. Like, it's, it's, I think it's a thin stripe. I'll, I'll do that in the gym. I'll have the headset on while I'm working out, and uh, somebody will come up and want to talk sports, and I'll pull them out. But it's most people don't do that, you know? You know, that's why a lot of people are going back to the old-style headphones. They're not doing AirPods anymore because they're saying that the AirPod is too small yeah. and invites conversation, mm. whereas the old-style headphones, even just the earbuds that have the string hanging down, you'll see celebrities using those now. Uh-huh. It's a, it's supposed to be more of a visual deterrent that I don't want to have a conversation. Let's go to Steve, who's in Lake Oswego. He's got a peeve. Steve, what's your peeve? John, 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 it's you're not giving my UCLA Bruins any love this year. Every, <laughs> every week, every week it's. I know. Oh, I'm not really sure about them yet. And last week you picked Washington to beat them. I know. Them. Of course, we walked Washington. Now you're picking Utah to beat them. And I'm telling you, I'll call you on Monday to tell you that UCLA beat Utah too. So, um, you know, I'm telling you, John, right now that a lot of people. You know, say, well, they've got an easy schedule. Well, they only play with who's on their schedule, right? We are supposed to play Michigan, but they backed out. So we had to schedule an FCS opponent, which, by the way, for Oregon fans, just to note that the Oregon team since 1980 has played 17 FCS games, the most in college football. So, look that uh, up. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what you're saying is you want some respect. Exactly. All right. Exactly. Listen, come Monday – you. Your team beats Utah. Come Monday, I'll give you UCLA some respect. And I should say this, Anna, I got a giant glass of water here in the studio. Mm-hmm. It's a plastic cup. I do this. I go to a stadium. I, 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 I'll leave the press box. I'll go down to the concession stand. I'll buy a, mm-hmm. buy a soda yeah. in a commemorative cup. Yeah. Whose cup am I drinking out of today? The letters say UCLA. So, Steve, I'm drinking right. out of a... Drinking out of a cup. I take an Instagram photo, put a filter on it, I'll post it on Instagram. <laughs> I love it. It's true. You're drinking the UCLA Kool-Aid? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> I'm drinking the UCLA Kool-Aid. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I appreciate the call. I think UCLA is good. I also think they're at home. They've had an extra day of rest, and they got Dorian Thompson-Robinson, a fifth-year senior at quarterback. This is a scary game for Utah. It's especially scary because i got to think of the Pac-12 offices. They're sitting back going, look. We got UCLA undefeated. You got USC undefeated. You got Utah with one loss. Like, they want undefeated teams, you know, getting to the end of the rainbow. They need a playoff team. Like, they want the payday. They want the money. So it's a scary game for the Pac-12 because, like, if the Pac-12 really thinks Utah's the best team in the conference, like, the worst-case scenario here is Utah beating UCLA, Utah beating USC. Everybody's got one loss, and all of a sudden it's a mess. So I think there's this is a big weekend for the Pac-12. They would love to have undefeated, undefeated playing and, you know, an undefeated team at the end. So uh, it'll be interesting. I still like Utah in that game, though, on Saturday.
I'll give I'll give UCLA respect if they can beat Utah at home with an extra day of rest and a fifth year starter at quarterback. That's a big advantage. <laughs> they win that game, then I'll go. You know what? UCLA they're for real. You know we have a good friend, Fred. You know Fred. I know Fred. Yeah, Fred. Fred went to UCLA. Okay. Mm-hmm. He has been on the UCLA bandwagon. He told me this week. He said, "I don't know." You know, he's a UCLA guy. Mm-hmm. Last week he was like, UCLA is going to beat Washington. You're going to look bad. He was right. Okay, my peeve? Can yeah, I do what's this? your peeve? What's your okay. peeve? My peeve is I try to be a positive person. Mm-hmm. I try to, when I recognize somebody's doing good things, I try to, uh, I try to give them a pat on the back. Mm-hmm. There's some people out there in the world, I don't know for whatever reason, they just kind of walk around with a negative kind of outlook on life. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind. I, I'm not saying if you have a bad day or you're down a certain day. Like everybody has a bad day or maybe a day that they go, eh, I'm just kind of in a bad mood. I'm not talking about that person. I'm just saying in general, people who are consistently negative drive me crazy. How can you live that way? How can you walk around that way? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> like, isn't it? A, isn't it at some level? Isn't it a kind of a choice when you wake up? Like, you know, I'm saying like, you know, you. Like I open like, what's my an example. I open my eyes in the morning. I said this the other morning. I opened my eyes and I went, "Hey, I made it another day." <laughs> like that's how I start the day. I don't know how I could get through it if I opened my eyes and went, "Oh, I got another day to get through today." I don't know. I don't think I could get through it. Mm-hmm. So come on, pep up, <laughs> go for a run, get some endorphins, get some caffeine in you, whatever you need. Just, we got too many, like, it's not a Karen thing. It's more like Eeyore, you know? Mm-hmm. Which way did it go? <laughs> you know? I, I'm i just saying. What's your peeve? We'll do it some more. What's your peeve? 503-417-7575. We do it every Friday. Josh in Vancouver is going to weigh in. Go ahead, Josh. Hi, John. This one's a little bit different. So uh, I've got a daughter. She's uh, I have twin daughters. They're 15. They're freshmen at, in high school, and they, they both work their way into varsity positions in soccer. Uh, one of my daughters on Tuesday, super excited for her. You know, she's only in her, you know, couple games in she picks up a concussion so she's got a legit concussion like there's no debating she's got a legit concussion and over the last couple days every time we get around anybody and she talks about it she's like i am fine this is the most ridiculous protocol the 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 cautionaries around this stuff is totally lame but the minute we get to our house she's like man i got a headache i want to take a nap so here's my peeve, because I've spent the last two days legitimately being my parent, becoming an adult, I'm waving the white flag, and I am now my parents, and it is official, I am old, because I've had no conversations with my child about toughness and competitiveness, or none of that. I'm having the conversation with my kid about, you got to protect your body, we got to do the responsible thing. I've abandoned the fact that there was competitiveness in my life at one point, and I'm now an old person. (laughs) Thank you, Josh in Vancouver. Oh, Josh. Sounding like his parents. Yep. 
Feel your pain. Happens all the time. Feel Let me your tell pain. you, it only gets worse. Yeah. I'm on daughter number three now. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. I'm also I'm also having those conversations. It's that moment where something comes out of your mouth and it's out of your mouth already and you realize, oh, oh yeah. I sound just like my mom. I do two things. Uh, one, I sound like my dad. Uh-huh. And then the second one is I find myself repeating you. <laughs> and that I don't know which one of those is more troubling. Uh, then my brainwashing is working. Yeah, where I'll go, wait a minute, I just I just repeated what Anna said. Yeah. Even though I don't agree with you that. You know what I like? I like when the kids come to you and they're like, hey, can I have an Oreo? This happened just today. And I can actually hear you go, you think mom's okay with that? <laughs> it makes me so happy. <laughs> Yeah, but you know what? It's it's them coming to me. Like, yeah. you know, we're going to smuggle this across the border. Yeah, yeah. You know? I know. They're basically going, do you have duct tape? Can you tape the Oreo to me? And I go, you think mom's going to be all right with this? Or are we going to have to do this on the down low? Okay? This happened this morning. I never do this, but the uh, sixth grader or the six-year-old in our house, she wanted, uh, she was leaving for school, and Anna, you always pack her snack. Mm-hmm. This is foreign to me. The snack packing thing. My parents never packed me a snack. Yeah. I, I hate to sound like Josh in Vancouver, but, you know, I was like, snack? They don't, you don't get fed? You don't get a lunch? What is a snack? And so she says, you know, put, this, put some things in the, in the uh, lunch bag I have for snack. And I go, you also get lunch? Like, this isn't your lunch. No, this is a snack. Okay. So I went Ritz crackers. I went with a little bit of orange. Okay, you like that, yeah. right? A little bit of yeah. fruit in there. And uh, <laughs> and then I was uh, running out of options. I got a couple of pepperonis and put them in a little container, yeah. put some pepperonis in there, a little protein. And then I thought to myself, you know what would go right with this is some Oreo cookies. And I said to her, uh, hey, you think mom would be okay if we put some Oreo cookies in there? And she smiled at me and she said, I think she would. <laughs> you were nowhere to be seen. Opportunists. So, uh, Opportunists. And I put one Oreo cookie in there, and then she said, well, maybe two would be good. And I said, okay, that's a compromise. Here's Dave in Vancouver. Dave, what's up, man? What's your peeve? Oh, man. So I run a self-checkout at a major grocery chain. I think I've talked about that before. But, okay. uh, you know, I'm sick of seeing butt crack. You know, wear a belt. <laughs> Tie a rope. I don't, I don't care. Please wear underwear. That, that's all I got. How much crack are we talking about? And does it matter if it's male or female, or does it matter, you know? And it's never one you actually want to see. Okay. It's like it's, the naked bike, know, right? Yeah. It's bad. Do you think they're not wearing underwear, or the elastic on the underwear has just worn out to the point no. where the underwear just isn't doing its job anymore? No, I can tell. I can mm-hmm. tell. I, I, I've, become, I've become an expert. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to take pictures and put up a wall of shame. Mm-hmm. And my manager said, no, you can have that on your phone, though. I yeah. said, no, I'm, I, I'm no. Yeah. And so this is <laughs> happening when people are bending over to fill their grocery bags with things? It's to grab stuff on the bottom. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Sometimes just standing there and yeah. the whole thing's out. Yeah. That's a real problem. That is a problem. It, 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 it's bad. Yeah. Customers yeah. are looking at them. Oh, my. Yeah, it's not good for business either. I mean, talk about it. Nobody <laughs> is wanting – that's not appetizing. Is that a new yeah. trend to not wear underwear anymore? I have no idea. 
If it is, I'm not on board. Yeah, I'm not, I didn't get told I'm about not, this. I'm not supporting that either. Um, yeah, I don't really know what to say to that. Do you think it has to do with the the people just don't care? It's well, pandemic. I have so many more questions. Like I wanted to ask him if he thought that the people were aware. Like if they knew, and they just don't care. They know. Or How do, do you, you not think know? there's just an, an unawareness of what is happening behind them? I think know? they don't care, right? Like they just don't care about it. Some people yeah. can't, you know, some people have a problem where they can't control it. Like, it's going to come out anyways. There's, like, whatever. The butt crack. There's yeah. so much crack. that There's just so much. They got a high crack. A high crack. Coming out. Yeah. High, high crack, low pants. Have you ever seen a crooked crack? I've seen a crooked crack. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. What do you do? Get you a, know where it leans left or leans right? What do you do? Get, like, a square out and check it? <laughs> More of a lightning bolt shape, yeah. Lightning bolt. <laughs> Yeah, there's few uh, circum. It's kind. Of, it reminded me of the that world that naked bike ride that happens in Portland yeah. that call did, because it's the same thing. You know, nobody wants to see that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't get it. Yeah. And and a bicycle, like, have you ever been getting out of the shower or something? Anybody like do you get out of the shower and go, you know what I'd like to do right now before I get dressed? I like to get on a bike <laughs> with the gears and the sprockets and the wheels and all the handlebars and pedals and all that stuff yeah grinding as, as i learned on seinfeld there's good naked and bad naked yeah yeah i also think like you know we've all been on a bicycle seat there are very few bicycle seats that are truly comfortable i've never ever been on a bicycle seat and gone yeah. you know what i'm overdressed with your clothes on yeah right i'm not you yeah know, i don't yeah and the, the real cyclists will wear padded shorts or whatever those mm-hmm. diehards yeah you know, they walk around with their clickety-clack shoes. <laughs> when they and, go into a, a cafe yeah, for lunch. Like, I like to do that one day. Just get a pair of those shoes and kind of just walk around town. <laughs> clickety-clack with, like, skin-tight Lycra on and a yellow, you know, Tour de France leaderboard jersey. But it's got to match your bike. Yeah, just clickety-clack around. I don't have no bike. I'll ride, drive in my car to the supermarket and just clickety-clack up and down the rows. Mm-hmm. People go, that guy, man, he really works out. Mm-hmm. Look at him. I feel for that guy. Do you? you? Know? I feel for that guy. No, the guy that called in oh, and yeah. said that it's the butt crack. Too much butt crack. It's a real problem for him. And, and He's got to look at it all day long. And there's nothing he can do. Yeah, it's a hostile work environment. He has to be there because he's the checker. Yeah. And he can't leave his station. No. And he can't be mean about it, too, because then you get like written up by the people. Right. You know? Customer's always right. Yeah. Even if half their... That's hanging out. Well, he should give him. What he should do is get a paper bag and cut two holes in the bottom of it and say, pull this on. (laughs) Why you're over there. No charge. All right. I want you to leave it here. You got the BFT statewide. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. All right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to talk about something that, I don't know if you want me to talk about this, but I'm going to talk about it, Anna. Too bad. <laughs> it's your show. Too bad. Um, all right, so check this out, guys. Tell me what you think about this. It has nothing to do with sports, but parents out there may be able to relate to this. Um, our kids' school it was a little shorthanded this year in the uh, first grade. Is that right? First mm-hmm. grade? Yeah. Kindergarten and first grade. Kindergarten and first grade. They were short by one teacher. And so the class sizes were a little big. So the class sizes are like 25, 26. So it's not ideal. 
but the school district, I guess, found another teacher to hire, or they found the money to hire another teacher. I don't know which. So we're how many weeks into the school year? I don't, I don't know. I'm in a time warp. I don't even know. Yeah. What, like a month? More Are than we a that. Month? More than that. When did the kids go back to school? at the end of August. Okay. So, so uh, we're six weeks into the school yeah, year? about. Okay. So they've decided now that they're adding a class and four kids from each classroom will be moved into this new class. Now, some people are understandably anxious about this because they are nervous about their kid being taken out of the environment that maybe they've gotten used to and put into a new class. But I am, you know, from my view from 20,000 feet is everybody should be okay with this and everybody should be happy with it because the net result is that everybody's going to be in a classroom that would have like 20 kids in it when this is over, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not seeing the problem here, but some parents are upset about this. Are they fighting it? I don't know. They're probably just hoping that their kid is not one of the four that has to move. <laughs> but I also think like, you know, we all got to be reasonable. Yeah, it's hard, you know, like cause this involves uh, kindergarten and first grade classes. Yeah. So, you know, we've got a first grader. So if you're thinking about the kids that are just starting kindergarten for the first time. They don't want to be displaced. This is a big change, right? Where do you guys stand on this? Like the greater good or do you look at it and go, hey, uh, you know, this is bad. They should just stay with larger classes. And oh, by the way, I want to say I had like 32 kids in my class when I was in like first grade. I don't know what my teacher, she was in there alone. She was in there, uh, you know, she was militant. And uh, in my second grade teacher, she was uh, she was from the Philippines. <laughs> she could have had a class of fifty. She would have been just fine. Well, change is scary, John. Change is very scary. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So no, I'm with yeah. you. I don't think it should be a problem. Like, I think it's good to, you know, put kids around other kids, right? Like, I think that's the best thing for them. Is even if they are comfortable with their friends, it's good to put them around different types of people whether you know them or not, you know, boys, girls, everything, just to get more comfortable with yourself and with others. So I think it's good, and I always try to, you know, when I'm with my kids, I try to have them, you know, talk to other kids, and I'll tell them, like, hey, you know, if you see a kid lonely, you should go play with them or go talk to them and try to be a friend with them because I think it's just good to be a nice person. So I'm with John on this one. You're a good parent. You are. Hey, I mean, that. You. hopefully all parents are. That's what we tell our kids, too. Like, when they have new kids that are new to the school, we're like, hey, it's almost an edict. Like, you go be friends with that kid. Or if there's a kid that, you know, has an IEP and has some special needs, like, you you go help that kid. You know, you don't judge that kid for having a condition that that kid didn't choose. So, uh, And I think, here's another thing. Even, like, ideally, I, I like where the class that our kid's in, and I like the classmates she has, yeah. and I like the teachers she has. But I also think, like... We're looking at kids right now, first grade and kindergarten especially, who have dealt with a lot of adversity in the last two or three years. Like they went from, I'm going to school to I'm not going to school to, you know, you're going to school and you're going to wear a mask and you're going to distance learn and you're not going to distance learn and it's going to be hybrid and this. And I think they can deal with this. Like I think a little adversity, I think adversity is good. This is safe adversity.
Yeah, I mean, I can understand the concern from parents that are like, hey, why is this change happening six weeks into the school year? Could you not have foreseen that there was going to be an issue? No, they knew. Why is this transition happening now? Probably a budget issue. But it's also good that there'll be less kids in the class. Like, you'll get more attention for your kids with the teachers. The net result is good for everyone, but I understand some people are upset about it, and, you know, that's what parents do. I also think we talk about raising our kids soft. I think parents have gotten soft, too. I can't see my parents having a problem with this. Like, Sebastian Maniscalco, the comedian, says he, like his dad didn't even know where the school was. I, you know, my parents knew where the school was. They didn't know my teacher. You also <laughs> like, don't know about snacks. There you go. No <laughs> snacks. Leave it here. Five at five next. B-F-F-T. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the bald faced truth. Five o'clock hour is the happy hour. It is upon us. John Wilner of the Bay Area News Group will be with us this hour. He'll be joining us uh, coming up in about 15 minutes. We'll tell you what's on tap this weekend. Tell you what you should be watching. Big sports calendar this weekend. Some big college football games. We'll double down on our college football picks. And I'm going to ask a burning question in this hour. If you had to bet the house on one of the Pac-12 games against the spread, which game would you bet on? You have to bet the house on one game. What do you pick? But before we do that, it's the five at five. The five biggest things. Let's do it. The five. Mariners fans, you had this coming. You made the playoffs. That was good enough. But the gravy on top of that came today as the Mariners struck early and held the Blue Jays scoreless. Pitching beats hitting in the postseason. Mariners good pitching got it done. They shut out the Blue Jays in game one of their wild card series. Four zip was the score today. Mariners getting it done. Mariners fans, you deserve this. Game two is tomorrow, 107. Here's how it sounded in the first inning. Juarez, the runner in scoring position. 3-2 to Cal Raleigh. He drives that one deep to right field. On its way, and it is gone! There it is. Cal Raleigh with a two-run jack in the first inning. Mariners four, Blue Jays nothing. Game two in the best of three series tomorrow, 107 Pacific time. Anna, number two, go. Golden State Warriors going to get to the bottom of this. They've opened an investigation into who leaked that video. Woj is reporting that Golden State took immediate action in the wake of the leak and has already begun investigating how TMZ obtained a video of the punch. Here's Adrian Wojnarowski talking about it. Yeah, Malika, they're not launching an investigation. They launched an investigation immediately. Obviously, they are not happy that that video uh, got out of their uh, practice facility, and they're trying to figure out uh, where it came from. There's Adrian Wojnarowski. And by the way, the police have said they're not going to get involved. No criminal charges for Draymond Green. So far. There it is. What's your theory? TMZ got the video. Do you think it was leaked by the Warriors? Leaked by Jordan Poole's agent? You know, what do you think? I can't I can't go down the conspiracy road. Oh, I can't. we have to. I just can't. I can't play the game. Back and to the left. 
<laughs> back and to the left. Maybe there was a second shooter in the uh, in stop, the practice. Stop. Two people. Do we even know the tape is real? <laughs> Number three in our five at five. A lot of questions about concussion protocol. It came up with uh, Tua Tonga-Laivoa, who remains in concussion protocol, will not travel with the Dolphins this weekend. They'll play the Jets. But the NFL's Players Association has agreed to some changes to the protocols, and they're urging the NFL to do the same before Sunday's games kick off. The union has agreed to change the protocols, saying uh, that players who return to play in the case of any similar incident to what they saw on September 25th, uh, would have to wait. Now, Tua hit the back of his head on the ground. He stumbled while he was trying to return to the huddle. He was immediately taken to the locker room. He passed the locker room evaluation, returned to finish the game. The Dolphins are saying that his stumble was caused by a back injury. But four days later, Tua was taken to the hospital after his head hit the turf against the Bengals. He was diagnosed with a concussion. NFL and the Players Association at odds here. I expect them to end up uh, erring on the side of safety. I think they will pass the protocols. So I think you're going to see quarterbacks who might not have a concussion uh, being held out of games because it's just too dicey. Number four, Anna, go. Am I the only one who's highly entertained by Al Michaels just calling it like he saw it during NFL Thursday night? No. You're good. He was saying, this is the type of game you'd have as the fifth regional on CBS on Sunday. Throwing shade in all kinds of ways. He said, it's first and goal. Words I thought I would never speak tonight. <laughs> he also said, in response to Kirk Herbstreit going, it feels like it's been terrible offense. Michael said, what do you mean feels like? Like, I love that Al Michaels, at 77 years old, he just doesn't care anymore. Doesn't care. He's just going to say what he thinks. It's very refreshing. It was bad Thursday night football. Rich Eisen talked about it today as well. Last night's Thursday night football week five kickoff. Seven field goals, 12 punts, 25 third down stops. Defenses got off the field on Thursday night 25 times. Four interceptions, six fumbles, wait for it. Not a single recovery by a defense. <laughs> wow. They were all recovered by the fumbling team. And this is a defense. Again, defenses got off the field 25 times on third down last night and sacked quarterbacks 10 times. But zero recoveries of fumbles despite six of them being put on the ground. It reminded me of the uh, toilet bowl game between Oregon State and Oregon. That 0-0 tie team. But that was played in like a driving rain and mud and bad conditions. These, it looked, just looked like bad football on Thursday night. I think the NFL, look, I, I think part of it is the stinker matchup has been relegated to the Thursday night because their, their television partners are paying big dollars for Monday night football and Sunday night football and the Sunday games. But I think part of it, too, is there's a rhythm to the week in the NFL. Long week, short week. I don't think it matters. But when you're playing on a Thursday, I think something's different. Feels like it, at least. Number five. In her five at five. I had to count. Uh, Kind of a troubling story coming out of Pittsburgh basketball. University of Pittsburgh. 
Pit guard Dior Johnson is facing some serious charges. Highly touted freshman being charged with aggravated assault and false imprisonment. He apparently got upset at a woman who got his phone wet. He struck her. He took her phone. He came back multiple times. I don't know what he was doing coming back multiple times, but this is troubling. For Oregon fans, you may remember the name Dior Johnson. He committed to Oregon at one point and then decommitted before committing to Pitt. But this is a kid who attended 10 different high schools in five states. Committed to Syracuse, decommitted. Committed to Oregon, decommitted. Committed to Pitt, now he's in trouble. I guess the temptation today is to say Oregon dodged a bullet. But I kind of think Oregon knew what this kid was about. Ten high schools in five states in four years. Huge red flag. That's the five at five. Five biggest stories going on. Um, I asked earlier, I want to ask Anna this question. Uh, let me ask you this. What At what point does it become a red flag when a kid has attended multiple high schools? How many schools, <laughs> how many states, what conditions do you start to go, I wouldn't recruit this kid? Gosh, we're talking about four years of high school. I mean, if we're getting beyond four high schools, like changing more than, you know, once a year, I think that's when you start to ask questions, right? What's going on? Like, how does any kid have consistency changing no. that many times? He's just looking for someone to tell him what he wants to think. Is that what's going on? I think so. But look, I yeah, it came up earlier, and I think we all kind of, the sentiment we all shared was, you have to know that this isn't a family thing. Like dad had to move multiple times or dad's in the military and he got restationed or reassigned or whatever happens. Like you have to know that bit first. Yeah. But with this kid, that's not the problem. He was bouncing from Oak Hill Academy to other academy to this academy to this prep school to that prep school. And and when that happens, I, I feel like, look, we've seen it with Oregon recruits. I'm troubled when it is three or four high schools mm -hmm. because it tell it suggests to me that the player is – going to bounce around after he gets to college. He's not staying. Right. And it suggests to me that the player is in in uh, on a quest to have somebody tell them what they want to hear. Right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think, like, as, a, as an athlete, you're going to have – a good coach is going to tell you something you don't want to hear. Mm hmm You need to work on this, Anna. You need to work on defense. Yeah. Peter, you need to work on driving to your left. You're no good going to your left. You know, I'm not going to start you in this game, Stephen, mm -hmm. because you're you're not a good enough defender. And good coach says those things and says, okay, here's what we're going to do to work on it. But I think a lot of kids in this era, highly recruited kids, they don't want to hear that stuff. They want to hear, I'm ready to play. I'm getting all the minutes. Is that I'm more the so the case, or are people bouncing around because they're having – like there's other issues involved, and it's kind of like – they're slipping through the cracks and they're getting passed along because those issues, like there'll be like a honeymoon phase, right? Where they're there, everybody's excited they're there. And then the actual issues around the kid begin to emerge and then there's a departure and then it starts over again at the next high school. It could be that, but I also think it has to do with the club basketball mentality. Traditionally, we have all viewed the high school you go to is the high school you go to that's in your area yeah and you know be loyal to your soil mm -hmm. like your family was living over near park rose high school yeah when you grew up so that's the high school you went to right 
And you knew when you entered as a freshman, you were going to be there for four years probably, unless your family moved. Right. You weren't going, I'm going to see how this works out for two months. If it doesn't work out, I'm going to bounce over to Barlow or Reynolds or wherever. Yeah. Or, you know, like, you know, you didn't do that. But the club mentality, and I think it, I think it especially exists in basketball, is I'm going to play for this club when I'm in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. And if I, if I have a good experience, I might stay. And if I, if I don't, I'm going to bounce over to this other club because this other coach is telling me he's going to get this other player and he's going to give me playing time and I'm going to do this. And then you bounce over to that club and, oh, it didn't work out. I'm going to bounce back to this club. And, you know, I, I would venture to say this kid probably played for multiple clubs before he played for multiple high schools. Yeah. There's no loyalty. There's no continuity. Well, and certainly we've seen cases where that happens with some athletes and it works out just fine. But it there is kind of a threshold at which you begin to ask questions. And it's like, whoa, what's going on? And how can this kid develop any kind of, like, consistency or a track record bouncing around so much? And I just think from, a, like, like, a human developmental standpoint, you know, how important high school is to all of us in figuring out who we are, you know, like, discovering your identity, figuring out where you fit in and that sort of thing, all that stuff goes by the wayside like there's something that is sacrificed in the pursuit of whatever d1 scholarship or you know whatever future they're they're trying to attain what little i know about this dior johnson case i read in one of the pittsburgh newspapers it appears as though it was an accident and the woman accidentally got water on his phone Mm -hmm. and he flipped out yeah like do you you know i i don't know enough about the kid but as you were talking there about personal growth and development i was wondering like you know if he spent any amount of time in any one place developing normal relationships, would he have been better equipped as a 20-year-old or 19-year-old kid, in this case, to deal with a little adversity? Yeah, I mean, the report says yeah. that he got violent and repeatedly punched her in her arms, yeah. stomach, and head multiple times. Yeah, it's, it's not and good. And ran after her with scissors. It's not good. Like, and, you know, I guess the temptation is to say Oregon dodged a bullet, but I don't want to see anybody get hurt anytime. Yeah. So, but troubling... Ten high schools, five states, commits to Syracuse, decommits, commits to Oregon, decommits, commits to Pitt. I assume he'll be working on another college sometime soon. I want you to leave it here. John Wilner, Bay Area News Group, is next. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. If you're having knee pain, I want you to go to reflexknees.com to take care of that knee pain. Trust me, I did it. I was in pain. I had three knee surgeries. Reflexknees.com. They'll get you back to life. Dr. Riggs and the team at Reflex are fantastic. John Wilner, Bay Area News Group, my co-host on the Kanzano and Wilner podcast, is joining us now. We're going to talk a little about the Pac-12. Wilner, I had a suggestion from a one of our listeners on the podcast. They said we should call it can and will not bad not bad can and will i said what's like shortcut but i i like it too hey how you doing man what's going on in your life your kids are off school this week are you are you surviving it i survived the week is over as far as i'm concerned and and, uh, you know now it's just a normal weekend so it's uh one of the most challenging weeks of the year. There's no doubt about it because nothing, you know, football season doesn't stop because my school district is is off, so the teachers can have a break. 
When do they do that? Is that is that to like they furlough the teachers, or is that because you guys start school earlier? We don't do that up here. I wish I knew. I think some of it's just to annoy parents. You know, we start school in middle of August, and the way I figure it is, the five days that they're taking, they should just. We don't have the whole Thanksgiving week off. I don't know about you guys, but we have school Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thanksgiving week. They should take that week off and give us the day after Halloween off as well because no kid is in good good shape that, that day. And that would kind of basically make up for this, this week so we could have a normal early October for parents that are working. I it's love crazy. it, though. I love it. You're right about the day after you have Halloween. Thanksgiving week off? Uh, I don't know. I got to ask Anna that she left the studio, so I got to ask her. I don't even know. Steven, the kids have Thanksgiving week all the way off, or they go to school at the beginning of the week? Uh, from what I know is they have the whole week off, but yeah, you know, I could be wrong. You got to move, Wilner. You, yeah. can need to, you need to move to the Pacific Northwest. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. Hey, the UCLA fans are mad at me. I'm hearing from them. They're calling into the show. They're emailing me. They're direct messaging me. They're commenting on johnconzano.com saying I'm a, I'm a hater. Um, UCLA plays Utah this week. Do you have good news for them, or are you also picking Utah in that game? No, I picked UCLA in that game. But I, I must say, you, you must should be – were you one of the 20,000 people in the stands for South Alabama, or were you not? Because, I mean, UCLA fans, it's hard for them to accuse other people of being haters when you look at how many empty seats there are in the Rose Bowl on any given Saturday. Uh, but I actually, you know what, I like the Bruins. Uh, I just think that they they got a good team, and I'm not 100% sold on Utah being the dominant force that it was last year. So, but it should be close. I mean, it has potential to be one of the best games of the season. Wilner, I, I'm going to throw this question out to our audience, and I want you to answer it first, though. You know, if you have to bet the house on one of the Pac-12 games this week, is there a game in particular that you look at that you go, I really like fill in the blank? Where, where would you bet the house? Well, I would say I would bet the car on the under in the USC-Washington State game. I, th- I think that that's going to be kind of a low-scoring game. Washington State defense is really good, and, and I don't know how many points they're going to be able to score on the Trojans. But if I were betting the house, I would actually pick the Ducks. I, I really like Oregon. I think it's a great matchup for them at Arizona, despite all the trouble Oregon has had at Arizona and at Arizona State over the years. Uh, I, I think they're going to run the ball for 200-plus yards. I think they're going to score at will, and I think they're going to cause a whole bunch of turnovers by uh, Arizona. Jaden DeLora is uh, capable of big plays and big mistakes, and I think Oregon gets some pressure on him. There's going to be a lot of big mistakes. So I like the Ducks to cover. And last I saw it was 13. It may have moved, but uh, I think that Oregon's going to have this game well in hand in the fourth quarter. John Wilner with us, Bay Area News Group. It's interesting that you bring up Oregon. Defensively, I think their defense might be the fastest defense in the conference. I am also looking around and going, hey, you have this unbalanced schedule. They're supposed to pick the best two teams for Vegas. Do you think we're going to get to the end of the rainbow and have a controversy on who team number two is, or do you think it will be clear come December 2nd who should be there in Vegas? I think it's going to be – 
I don't know about controversial, but it will certainly be the subject of a lot of discussion if the number two team is USC because they won't have played Washington or Oregon, right? And that's just kind of the way it, it broke down. The schedule is based on what they've been doing with the divisions. They decided to get rid of the divisions, but it was too late. You know, in the spring, they got rid of the divisions, but it was too late to change the schedule. So you've got, you know, all the, all the old South teams, you're playing old South teams, and you're missing two of the old North teams, so SC ends up missing Washington and Oregon. They end up second, and they're a game ahead of, say, UCLA, which is playing both Washington and Oregon, you know, somehow, something like that. I think that it's going to be, you know, there's going to be a lot of hand-wringing and conspiracy theories and all that kind of thing. Yeah, I looked at kind of the tiebreakers, and obviously it's head-to-head, first of all, but if they don't play head-to-head, then it's, you know, record against the highest-ranked or highest-seeded team after that. And I think it could get pretty confusing. Who do you think's going to get there? Like, if who are your two picks right now? My two picks are the same as they were before the season, which is Oregon and Utah. But I think that, you know, in two weeks we'll have a pretty good feel because we got – Utah's playing at UCLA this week, and Utah's playing USC next week, and then the week after that, uh, UCLA's playing at Oregon. So by the time everything's done on, what is that, October 21st, we're going to have a pretty good idea, I think, because, you know, head-to-head wins, since it's all one one division of 12 teams, head-to-head wins are huge, right? It used to be with the divisions, you know, head-to-head mattered more if it within your division. Now it matters against everybody, and I think that uh, I think we'll know at the end of this month. We can have a real good idea. John Wilner with us, Bay Area News Group. Uh, you know, it's it, it's interesting. I think to look at what's happened to Stanford football. They've lost nine straight conference games. They will be hosting Oregon State. A lot of Beaver fans listening to this show want to know if uh, you know Stanford's going to be that gimme. What do you think's happening in this game? What do you think's happening with Stanford football? Yeah, I don't know if it'll be a gimme because I think Stanford, you know, they played USC, Washington, and Oregon three straight weeks, uh, the last two on the road, and finally home. I think they will play. They will come out. This is I think this is going to be Stanford's best game of the season in terms of how it performs and executes. And that might be enough, you know, depending on the kind of play Oregon State gets from its quarterback position. I think this is a, a game Stanford can, can win. But... In the long haul, you know, over the long haul, I think that they're in some trouble. They don't have the talent. They certainly do not have the dominance at the lines of scrimmage that they used to. Uh, they, they've kind of flipped their personality. You know, they used to just run the ball and pound you, like Rick Neuheisel once said it was like football in a phone booth. But now they can't run the ball. They can't stop the run. They pass it left and right, and it's it's more like an area team in some regards than it is like the old Stanford football. And that just doesn't suit the personnel they have and the kind of personnel they can recruit because uh, it's hard for them to recruit, you know, a real elite wide receivers. So I just think that they're kind of all mixed up in some ways, and the transfer portal certainly is not helping them because they, they really can't get guys in. Uh, so... It's a difficult situation right now for, for David Shaw, and I don't see it improving much this year. Oregon State will be without Chance Nolan. He is not making the trip 
to Stanford. It will be Ben Goldbrinson at quarterback. Uh, I, I'm really interested to see how Oregon State uh, reacts offensively, what they will do, but uh, no chance Nolan in this game uh, as they move forward. Uh, Wilner, bigger picture stuff for the Pac-12 conference. It's been a little quiet. George Klyovkov told you and I that this media rights deal could drag on. I expected we'd see or hear something in October. Um, my spider senses have been tingling, but we don't have any news, no whispers. What do you expect is going to happen here in this media rights negotiation, or, and what do you think about the timeline of it? You know, I think it's going to go for a while. Well, You know, like he told us, so it was his exact phrase was, uh, he doesn't feel a sense of urgency. No, but none of the schools are going anywhere. Uh, I I have this sense that it's going to go November, maybe even December, and it could go longer. Right? The Big Ten started their negotiations in either February or March, and it went into August. So, if you use that kind of as a proxy for the Pac-12, I mean, this thing could go till January or February, for all we know. Uh, but certainly I don't I don't get the sense that something's going to happen in the next few weeks, that's for sure, maybe later in the year. And then you have to consider the potential for expansion. And if you are going to expand, right, that would add time uh, to the whole process, just like it did for the Big Ten. So we may end up getting to New Year's Day, and it, there's no change. There's no resolution. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like, you know, my sense is it'll happen that we will get some news, but we won't get an official deal done. Uh, I know that the, I know the Big 12 naysayers and gloom and doomers are out there saying, you know, the Pac-12 dead. It's splintering. I keep saying, no, it's not happening. I, I don't think it's happening in this four or five year cycle. I think they will pull together. What's your sense? Well, my sense is that if the Big Ten doesn't expand anymore, then the Pac-12 is going to sign some kind of media deal, a uh, five-year deal that will expire in 2029, one year before the Big Ten's deal expires. And I think that's on purpose, right? The, to me, the Big Ten has always been the threat, not the Big 12. And if the Big Ten says, you know, opens its doors and, and uh, its checkbook for Oregon, Washington, and Bay Area schools, well, yeah, then – then the four corners are going to go to the Big 12 and the conference is going to dissolve. But there's no indication that the Big 10 is ready to uh, expand again. I don't think the presidents and chancellors uh, are ready to make that step. And I don't think that the, the media rights partners, NBC, CBS, and Fox, have the money to do it. Because if you map, if you sketch it out on, on a napkin, you're talking about almost. $300 million a year for seven years if you want to add four schools. And I don't know that, that you know, those those networks, they have what they want. They have USC. They don't, if they wanted the other schools, they would have taken them. They've got SC. That's what that, so they're not going to shell out all that money, I don't think, to get those other schools. Yeah, and I think, I think it just doesn't pencil out for them. Uh, okay, Wilner. I'm going to cut you loose. Um, other than UCLA and Utah, next biggest game in your mind that you'd be interested in? Oh, Cougars Trojans, definitely. Uh, I think it's going to be real interesting uh, to see Washington State's defense, which has been very good, go up against that SC offense. Certainly, um, you know, we've just passed the four-year anniversary of the very controversial targeting game where Woody Dixon called into the replay command center 
So if there is any major officiating controversy, uh, that will certainly be, uh, you know, memory, hard memories for some, some fans. Uh, but I think that's going to be a really interesting game. And, and I would not be surprised at all if it goes down to the wall. Washington State's defense is good still. If they don't turn the ball over, if Cam Ward does not turn the ball over, I think that game's going in the fourth quarter very close. John Wilner, you're the best. I appreciate you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, my friend. There he is. Which game, if you had to bet the house, Pac-12 game, would you bet on? If you had to. I'm just saying, what do you think the no-brainer is? 503-417-7575. We'll go around the room on that. Plus, what's on tap? Again, you heard it here. Some news on the Oregon State front. Chance Nolan did not make the trip. He did not practice this week. We are uh, now told by sources he did not practice at all with Oregon State. It's Ben Gulbertson or bust for the Beavers on Saturday night in Palo Alto. Uh, he will start, get his first college start against Stanford. Uh, we'll talk about that coming up as well. You got the BFT. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano. Peter Sampson is up next with The Pulse from 6 to 7 on 750 The Game. Peter Sampson, what are you going to talk about on The Pulse coming up here on 750 The Game? He's actually uh, out of the room right now. He's out of the room right now, folks. He's doing stuff. He's prepping. That's all we're going to say. He's prepping for the show. I can't see down there in that studio. That's why. Uh, He's back now. Oh, Peter's back. Peter's back. Peter, uh, what are you going to talk about on The Pulse coming up right here on 750 The Game, top of the hour? Yeah, we're going to look at the Pac-12 games this weekend. A lot of interesting matchups. I want to put a bow in this dream on green thing, and it is a great, great day for baseball. Man, we've had some good, good games today. Did the Braves play well today? Uh, The Braves did not play. They have a bye. No. It's not a good day if the Braves didn't play for you. It's a right? good. It's a good day because th- they don't have to risk getting upset, man. I love this new uh, this new playoff format. How mad should Cardinals fans be at being ahead <laughs> two nothing in their game until the ninth inning and then losing six to three? I thought I was going to have to call the police to do a welfare check on Jude and Newby, man. I saw he's a Cardinals fan. I saw him afterwards. He was despondent. But I reminded him, look, a couple years ago in a in a three game series, the Braves were, or maybe it was a five game series, but the Braves were up. Like, one game to go, and they had something like an eight-run lead. They blew that game. The Cardinals won the next two. It's October. Weird things happen in baseball. I got I got a beef with the Cardinals fans, and this yeah. happened on Thursday Night Football, too. The fans left early. That Thursday yeah. game, the Broncos yeah. fans left early they right did. before overtime. And then same thing with the Cardinals game. They got down 5-2, 6-2. There's fans leaving the stadium. I mean, if you're – and we talked about fandom yesterday. I feel like if you're a true fan, you got you got to ride it out, right? You don't leave early in a playoff game. Yeah, playoffs. You can leave early on like a midseason Wednesday night game. You got to get the kids home. You got to be go ahead and leave early. But you leave early on a playoff game. Come on. I mean, we just saw the you know the Phillies just scored six in the top half. Why could the Cardinals not do the same thing? I also I had a, I had a girlfriend in college. Okay, nice girl, but I knew it wasn't going to work out when she told me she lived uh, near Oakland where the A's played. And uh, Nolan Ryan was pitching one night, and Nolan Ryan had a no-hitter going, and she had a ticket to the game. And I called her after the game, and I was like, that's amazing. Wh- you know, how- what was that like? You were there. They threw- he threw a no-hitter. She said, oh, we left in the seventh inning. Mm. I was like, oh, this is not going to work. That is a deal-breaker. 
This is not going to work. Taking off in the seventh inning of a no-hitter, Nolan Ryan on the mound. Come on. You can't go home early on that game. Yeah, the only way is if you had like an emergency that somehow you found out like you lit, like something happened in your family. But if besides that, no. work, school, it doesn't matter. You're staying up late to watch that. They wanted to get to wherever the action was on the Friday night or Saturday or whatever the night it was. You know? Yeah, I was like, nope, this is not happening. This is not working. Let's talk about the uh, Pac-12 games of the week. Uh, where is the I would bet the house on that game? Uh, the, in your mind, where is that game, guys? Where Where is it as you look at the Pac-12 games of the week? I'll go first here. Um, okay. I'm going to go with Utah over UCLA. Ooh. Uh, laying the three and a half on the road. I, I, you guys have been talking about John, you and John Wilner, both have kind of talked about Utah's been a little disappointing, and I kind of agree, but at the same time, the opponents they have played haven't been that great. So I do think Utah still has something to prove and is going to come out really ready to go uh, down in L.A. and kind of put it on UCLA. UCLA has had a very easy schedule. They got up for the one game against Washington when it was a Friday night. All eyes yeah. are on it. National TV, like the only game on. Now it's just another Saturday. I think Utah is going to put it on UCLA right. and win by 10. So you are saying that Utah minus 3.5 yep. is your five-star pick that's that's my my house bet. Ooh, bet that's not where, i wouldn't go with that one because i the ucla's at home dorian thompson robinson uh extra day off for chip kelly like the bruins are undefeated that game it scares me it makes me a little nervous i still like utah but it makes me nervous i see this is my uh, last week i was betting on utah over washington i thought washington was getting a little overvalued i think ucla is getting a little overvalued because they beat washington last week so i i think utah is the best team in the pac-12 i'm gonna go back to them Wow. Peter Sampson, your can't-miss five-star pick of the week. Where are you betting the house? If I'm betting the house, and let me know, is this okay if I'm not picking a, a winner or a loser? I'm going for an over-under here. Is right. that cool? Okay. Yeah, you can do that. I'm taking the under 57.5, Beaver Stanford. And that's yeah. what, basically even before I knew Chance Nolan wasn't going to go. I think, look, what we saw of Goldbrinson, the turnover issues are uh, not going away with him under center. I mean, I know they'll be able to run the ball a little bit. The defense is still playing okay. I just I don't think this is going to be a real high school scoring game i agree with you i have that one uh 28 20 oregon state so uh under 57 and a half mm-hmm. yeah i have i don't think they'll get to 50 in that game nope. so i could see that game being 20 to 17 20 and i think because goldbrinson's playing i think oregon state's going to come out and pound the rock i think they're going to run and run and run i i would not be surprised to see jam griffin over 100 yards stanford can't stop the run didn't stop oregon running the ball i think stanford has trouble with that and i think oregon state goes look uh, you know, we're going to let our quarterback come in and throw 15 to 20 passes and get out of there with a W. I think that's what they're going to do. Right, I'm going to go. I'm going to go a little crazy on this one. Uh, right now, USC is a 13 point favorite over Washington State. They're at home. USC is. But I, I kind of think the Trojans, they're good, but not great. I still think they're flawed. I think they're going to win this game. I think they're going to beat Washington State. But I think it's going to be closer than 13. I like Washington State and 13 points in this game. I think they play within it. And I'm going to pick a bet-the-house parlay. I'm going to tie it to Arizona State plus 14. So I'm going to take the two dogs. I'm going to take all those points. I think Washington's going to win at Arizona State. But I don't think they're going to cover the 14. So I'm going to I'm going to go uh, with a two banger there. 
as uh, they would say in the sports book. Uh, I'm going to take Arizona State plus 14, and I'm going to take Washington State plus 13, and I think those games are closer than advertised. You're going for a two-story house. I'm going big. <laughs> I'm going big or I'm a sucker. Yeah, I, now, the Washington State game, that was my second pick. That, that It was down to that in Utah. I do like Washington State in that one. I think the defense of Washington State should be able to play well enough, but it's the offense, right? Cam Ward has been throwing the ball a lot better the last few games. I think he's going to have a little bit of a good day uh, against USC. And we're getting these comparison games now because now we're going to get to see Washington State against USC. Oregon and USC do not play in the regular season, but let's see how Washington State fares against USC. I have a suspicion that that game's going to be very close. Uh, Dave, is in Van- Dave in Vancouver called it early in the show. He is the checker at the grocery store who was complaining about all the butt cracks he has to see. He has called back in. He has a follow-up on this. Dave, what is going on? You got a development? Okay, so no, I just didn't finish the story. So oh. um, me and a co-worker that we work side-by-side all day long, and uh, we can have a game. Like, oh, hey, look over there. And you see a butt crack. Oh, hey, look over there. Oh, look. Uh, butt crack. So we had we figured each other out. Like, oh, look over there. I'm not going to look over there. And now we have to get creative. And we're, like, professionals. Um, you say, oh, look at that cute puppy. And now, now they look. And it's just kind of funny. So you play that game. Yeah, it's, it's a game. And uh, if I, I thought say, you were look I at that you're... puppy tomorrow, yeah, they won't uh, they won't look. All right, but I thought you were calling back to tell us like your boss was listening, and then you got reprimanded uh, or something. So I'm happy that this is just a you know you were expanding uh, on the story. That'd be horrible. Uh, you know what you should do. You somebody comes in with a butt crack situation, you just you 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 know let your pants droop down and you you get back <laughs> at him. There you go. Match them crack for crack. I, you know, I never know where this show is going to go. I never know. But I do know this. Coming up next, after this break, I'm going to tell you what's on tap this weekend. I'm going to tell you what you, should, what you should be watching on your television. Leave it here. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. I really am grateful that you make this radio show part of your day, part of your week. If you're listening on a podcast, thank you for listening on a podcast. But uh, I just appreciate that you're out there and that you are part of this. Um, I love meeting you in public. Say hello if you see me. But uh, I'm also going to tell you what you should be watching this weekend. Appreciate that you listen to this show. But what should you be watching? Well, what's on tap? Now. It's time for What's on Tap and What's on TV at the Independent on the BFT. I'm going to rip through the Pac-12 games. Utah at UCLA, 12.30 Saturday on Fox. Be there. Washington at Arizona State at 1 o'clock on the Pac-12 Networks. Also on Fox, Washington State at USC, 4.30. The Ducks and Beavers play late. The Ducks at 6 o'clock on the Pac-12 Networks against Arizona. And Oregon State with Ben Goldbrunson getting his first start at quarterback on ESPN. 8 o'clock, that's the nightcap. Uh, pivoting to baseball, full slate of baseball games, wildcard games on Saturday, uh, all on ESPN or ESPN2. It starts in the morning 
uh, bright and early in the morning. Uh, it'll be a 9.07 a.m. Pacific time start, Tampa Bay at Cleveland. The Mariners in game two of their wild card series with the Blue Jays start at 107 on ESPN. San Diego, uh, the Padres playing at the New York Mets at 4.30 on ESPN. And it'll be the Phillies and the Cardinals in the nightcap at 5.37 on ESPN2. If you want to go to the NFL, and I will, Sunday morning, 6.30 in the morning on the NFL Network from London, Giants at Packers. Uh, Packers not happy about playing this game over there, at least some of their players saying that. Some of the 10 a.m. games uh, on CBS, we're probably going to get the Chargers at Browns in our uh, viewing area. Also, later in the day, the 1 o'clock game, 49ers at Panthers on CBS, Eagles at Cardinals on Fox at 125, and the Sunday night game, Bengals and Ravens. Finally, Monday, if you're interested, Raiders at the Chiefs, Monday night football. That is what is on tap. Guys, what are you going to watch? Uh, weird college football weekend, too, because of, uh, because of all the wild card baseball games. We're going to have a bunch of college football games that are later in the day and head-to-head against each other. Yeah, I think for the Pac-12, uh, I'm most excited about that Utah-USC game. I think that's going to be um, a great game. And then nationally, I, I'm really excited to watch the TCU-Kansas game. That's where game day is this week in Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah. Um, and Kansas just announced they invested some money into the football program, trying to be a football program. Not just a basketball program. Maybe uh, maybe John trying to make a play for the Pac-12, huh? Kansas? I, li- I like to see him in basketball. Would You'd take him. You'd take him in a heartbeat. Yeah, I, I had somebody tell me that, too. I was Because we've all been bantering about UNLV, San Diego State, SMU, Boise State, Fresno State. Doesn't really move the needle, right? Like, outside of San Diego State, there's not a lot there. Um, there I, I'm planning on working on this, something on this later, probably next week. But I want to look at what would be splashy, you know, and and when you talk about splashy, you're talking about raiding the Big 12. Now, there's some obstacles because the grant of rights deal in the Big 12 is, you know, it is really costly for Texas and Oklahoma to try to leave the Big 12 early. It's why they have to wait. But if you're the Pac-12 and you're willing to wait, would you be willing to wait for Kansas, Kansas State, Texas Tech? Baylor, Houston, Oklahoma State. Is anything in there moving the needle for you guys? Well, I mean, Kansas for basketball, obviously, I think that would be great. You know, they're a powerhouse team. I think if you could raid any of those teams in the Big 12, I think they do make a little bit of a little bit of a splash. I mean, the, some of these teams have had really good seasons, even with Oklahoma, Texas in those conferences. So, yeah, I mean, I think if you're going to try to acquire teams for the Pac-12, it's probably... All I would say, most of those teams in the Big Twelve are better than San Diego State. Yeah, I I just think in the end, like some of it just doesn't make any sense, right? Like, you know, it, it, Boise State, Fresno State, SMU. There's problems with all those schools. Boise State, not enough TV households in Idaho. Fresno State geography isn't L.A. It's Central California. Similar thing. Like if you're going to the Mountain West to poach a bunch of teams. At what point do you become the Mountain West? It's, you know, and I support that. And I had a high-level administrator uh, who's not in the Pac-12, who's in another conference, say, why wouldn't they try to raid the Big 12? Uh, Brett Yormark, the Big 12 commissioner, is doing this whole tour of New York that they announced today. They're taking, like, you know, uh, their Baylor basketball coach and some other people to New York, and they're going to do a big media blitz. 
it it feels to me like it's a lot of hat and no cattle, a lot of sizzle and no steak. Like I I'm kind of looking now at the Big Twelve Commissioner Brent Yormark, and I'm going, you know, this guy he likes to talk, but. It feels like it's a lot of hot air. It's a lot of gas, and you know, there's no real substance behind it. Why go to New York? Why do a media blitz? Why the continual grenades thrown at the Pac-12? I kind of wonder if the Pac-12's response here, now I don't know this to be true, but I kind of wonder if the Pac-12's tactic might be, we're not going to talk about this, but we're just going to try to, you know, at the end we're going to make a shrewd move. And is the shrewd move flying in, at the 11th hour in rating the Big 12 of some schools that would really add some value to the Pac-12 conference. Well, Keep an eye on that. Because that's exactly what the Big 10 did to the Pac-12, yes. right? Like they flew in and they got USC and UCLA, and that is the big fear, right? If you go out and you get these Mountain West teams that the Pac-12 isn't considered, you know, a Power 5 would be, you know, a Power 4 at that point. So if you can go and get those Big 12 teams, I think you kind of solidify yourself as a Power 4 team rather than be a mid-major. And in to the point that you made, like nobody in the Pac-12 conference had any inkling that US and UCLA were going away. And in fact, I talked to an administrator at UCLA who told me he couldn't believe that it didn't get out. But they used um, some third-party messaging and communication technology that made the circle of people who knew what was going on very small. They kept it from being uh, accessible via public records by using a third-party app entity technology. So nobody was asking for these documents. Nobody knew they existed, all the communications. It was not done by text. It was not done by email. They just kept it super uh, you know, secretive and kept the circle small. I kind of wonder if the Pac-12 is uh, going to go down that road at some point. Keep an eye on it. If you're listening in Portland on 750 The Game, Peter Sampson is coming up with The Pulse. Stephen, you had a great week. I appreciate all your contributions on the show. Judah Newby, thank you to you. Sean, I appreciate you as well. Uh, we're back next week. Monday will be all about whatever happened on this wild weekend of sports. I hope you get some sunshine. I hope you smile. I hope that you have a great weekend. The bald-faced truth, of course, is not here for a long time. Just a good time. Grab the podcast. Give us some ratings. You know, rate the podcast. If you're listening to the podcast right now, just give us a rating. It might not help you, but it'll help somebody else find the podcast. That's how it kind of works. That's how the algorithm works anyway, at least what I know of it. I want you to have a great weekend. I appreciate you being here.